Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Voices for Change 2.0, the only podcast that focuses on mental health while mixing in movies, music, books, sports, and pop culture. Here are your hosts, Rebecca and Joe Lombardo. Guys, looks like we're having a little audio issue with Joe and Rebecca. I apologize for that. We're going to have them call right back in, and we'll get started in just a second. We'll play a quick song here, and we'll be back in just a couple of moments.
Hey guys, hope you can hear us. Uh, welcome to Voices for Change 2.0. Um, having a little bit of audio difficulties, but uh, hopefully things are good. We're getting the thumbs up getting from our producer. Up, so that's a good sign. That is a good sign. I uh, Welcome to the show this morning, everybody. We hope that you're having a good weekend. Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, it's going on the middle of May, isn't it? Yeah. That's crazy. It's flying by. Yeah. So I shouldn't really say it's crazy, should I? No, it's okay. I'll let, okay. I'll let it pass. You, you'll, you'll allow that one? <laughs> yeah. Okay, thanks. You didn't mean anything. Yeah, I, I, uh, I mean no vulgarity by it. So um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, we are happy you guys decided to tune into our humble little show, uh, the, show that, a, the show that can. Yeah, <laughs> we've got a, a, a really good lineup for you today. We're doing two shows back to back so uh right after our 11 o'clock interview we're going to segue into our 12 o'clock interview yeah so stay tuned yeah so keep hanging on with us it's a special day where we are uh observing mental health awareness month here in the states and i'm not entirely sure i should have checked this beforehand but mental health awareness week is effective very shortly i believe in the uk so um mental health mental health mental health yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna hashtag keep talking mental health. <laughs> See what I did there. We hope that you guys are using the hashtag too, along with the uh, the uh, mental health awareness week and month hashtags on Twitter. Yep. Uh, very important that we're getting the message out there. So uh, just keep it up. We're, we're appreciative of anyone that uses our hashtag and um, hang in there. Yeah, really. Uh, reach out to people if you need to. If you're struggling, uh, call call the crisis lines. Uh, text on the crisis text line. Uh, talk to a buddy. Talk to a, a family member. Talk to whoever you need to if you are having a hard time now or all throughout the year. Um, Especially with tomorrow being Mother's Day. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, some of us don't have our moms. Uh, you know, physically in their life anymore, which would I would fall into that category. Yeah. So uh, there is a group ca- called the uh, Mental Health Crisis Angels, MH Crisis Angels is the uh, handle, and they're doing something really, really interesting for everybody on Sunday. Um, message them for more information, but they're having a Mother's Day, and they're calling it a sanctuary. Mother's Day Sanctuary, where you can go in and talk to other people, and there'll be, you know, fun things to do, and, you know, just different ways to keep your mind off of uh, what you might be struggling with on this uh, Mother's Day. So definitely keep that in mind if you are in need of companionship tomorrow. Um, They're a great group of people. I've been helping them out a little bit, and, uh, you know, we're just really really supportive of them so yes yes indeed but and, uh, and beck beck told me not to say anything about being sick but i'm just going to say this uh it moved into my head so i sound all nasally and i do apologize that's all i'm going to say <laughs> all right so for today to start with we uh have a very special guest uh i've been following her uh hashtag dump the scales campaign and it's uh it hits home for me. I am very appreciative that she's putting all of the effort into this particular campaign because I suffered 
I still suffer with eating disorders uh, when I was in uh, high school. It got really bad in high school, and I've often struggled with, I've been struggling just even the last couple of days, even wanting to eat or, you know, being able to get wrap my head around the fact that I need sustenance in my body to survive. Um, it's been difficult, you know, we're going through some stuff, so uh, having a hard time with it, but she, enough about me, she, uh, her name is, uh, is Hope, and we're really excited to have her because, uh, she's a wonderful advocate. She has done some really, really positive things. I've seen some of the pictures of the, uh, I think she's been on some TV shows and some other radio shows, and she's done a lot of really great work to help raise awareness and end the stigma around mental health, or mental illness, rather. So, um, just really welcome her to the show. Yeah. Uh, welcome, Hope Virgo. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I'm really pleased to be here. We are pleased to have you with us. And uh, I would say good morning, but, you know, where you're at... It's 4 o'clock, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's strange. Yeah. So we appreciate you taking the time uh, on, you know, for you in the middle of your Saturday, for us, uh, the kind of the beginning of our Saturday, mm-hmm. um, to, to talk to us and to, uh, you know, shine, shine a light. Man, I can't speak today. Mm-hmm. Uh, shine a light on... Uh, what you're doing and who you're helping and all that fun stuff. Yeah. So let's, uh, you said you didn't have any questions a little bit ago. Have you developed any? <laughs> I don't think so at the moment. Um, well, I probably will get late throughout. Pardon? I'll probably get quite a lot throughout, but nothing at the moment. Oh, okay. 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 That sounds good. All right. Well, we'll start off with uh, the question that we ask our, all of our guests at the beginning of the show, and that is, where does your mental health journey begin? Um, so my journey with mental health probably began when I was about nine. Um, at the time, I didn't realize that it was mental health, and I don't think I ever did realize up until I was about 16, 17. But when I was nine, I had a real issue expressing emotions, so whether it was happiness, whether it was sadness there was something in my brain that didn't really click. And my mum thought the solution to all of this was to go to therapy. So I had this one hour therapy session when I was nine for about six months every week. And I remember going to these sessions, not really understanding it, not really knowing why I was there. And also kind of, I guess, as a young person, you're lumped into these therapy sessions and you spend a lot of time thinking about the kind of things you should be sharing and the right and wrong answers to questions and thinking about what your friends would do in those situations. Hmm. Okay. So that went on for about six months. Uh, how how did that end? I mean, did, did just were you like, this isn't helping me or did it help you? And you're like, I don't, I don't need this anymore. Um, no, what happened after? Yeah, it didn't really help me at all. Um, and I think, I don't know why I only did it for six months, if I'm honest. I think maybe my mum thought that was kind of the time to do it for. And then after that, something would have changed, um, which is no fault of my mum at all. Um, but I think people didn't really understand mental health at all when I was growing up. Um, and so I then went back to school, kind of carried on through the rest of junior school, not really expressing emotion, but not really seeing it as a big deal. And then when I was um, 
12, 13, I then developed anorexia as a way of coping, as a way of kind of controlling things. And also because I didn't feel like I was getting any sense of value or purpose out of my life, the anorexia seemed to do all of that for me. And I relied off that voice in my head telling me what I should and shouldn't be doing kind of every single day. And I think that was where my mental health just began to worsen over the next kind of four or five years even though again at the time I didn't really realize that anything was the matter with me I didn't really understand it and I was in a big kind of denial state around the whole situation and the whole thing it's like a it's like a control thing isn't it anorexia sort of like your other things are out of control around you and you can take charge of of your anorexia sort of and until it, you know, blows up and you can't control it anymore. But for me, I know that it, it was sort of a control issue where I finally felt like I was in control of something. Do you think you experienced that as well? Yeah, no, definitely. I think it was partly a control thing for me. I think it gave me control over kind of life. So when I was 12, I had quite a dysfunctional family and I was trying to fix everyone around me. And I was also sexually mm. And I think the combination of kind of a functional family and having an experience like that, I hated any sort of emotional stuff. I felt completely out of control with my life. And the anorexia definitely gave me that sense of control back, as well as helping me to switch off from the realities of growing up, the realities of arguments, and also the realities of trying to deal with a load of guilt and kind of shame that came with the sexual abuse. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry that you went through all that. Yeah, for sure. You know, that's um it's it's never never a great thing to have to experience. Um and uh I just I I, I feel bad. So I, I I'm sorry. Um you know, what did you what when did you decide to start telling your story? Um, so I only decided about two years ago, two and a half years ago I think. So Back in 2016, I relapsed. So um, I ended up being hospitalized for my anorexia when I was about 17 and then came out of mm. hospital just after I turned 18. So in the UK, um, when you turn 18, like in America, you turn into an adult. But in the UK, the problem is if you're in NHS services as a child, you cannot stay in that same service when you turn 18. So I meant that I got pushed to the back of an adult waiting list to get any support. So I fell through that transitional gap, um, which is something that happens a lot in the UK, um, but it's also quite frustrating. But after I came out of hospital, I pretty much managed my recovery for eight years. And then in 2016, my grandma passed away and I really struggled with all of the guilt and all of the grief that came with her dying. And that was when the anorexia started to come back. And I relapsed probably just like for four or five months and then ended up trying to access services and couldn't access services and then ending up trying to find a way to recover on my own and with kind of my own network of support. But once I came through that kind of recovery period and that relapse period, I realized that there are a lot of people out there who really struggle with their mental health and people who go through ups and downs with it and don't and and then people who kind of beat themselves up when they start to relapse because they think everyone else is totally fixed and together and so I wanted to share a really honest story of actually what recovery looks like I also wanted people to realize that just because 
someone is a healthy weight, it doesn't mean they can't struggle with food and with kind of having an eating disorder mindset. And so my, I decided to share my story basically to try and challenge these two aspects of life and two things that really mattered to me. Um, and it started with writing a book about my personal experience. And then off the back of the book, I started doing a lot of speaking um, engagements and a lot of work in schools. And then it kind of just went from there, really. And I think for me, it's been really challenging at times. And I've, I love most of what I do, but there are ups and downs with it. And there's times when I've been really badly told on Twitter and or had really nasty comments made when I go and do sessions with schools or something. But actually, because I like what I do, I think it keeps me going. And I think the more people we get talking about mental health and sharing their stories, the easier it then is for everyone else start opening up and it will all help just tackle that whole stigma side of things yeah absolutely right right mm. um go ahead babe, okay. uh, um, yeah. <laughs> talk, talk to us a, a little bit more about your book uh the title <laughs> and where it can be purchased um so my book is called stand for a little girl and it is the entire kind of, I guess, of my life journey up until probably 2017. So it talks about my childhood, um, then about my illness, what made me ill, and then also my relapse. But then looking as well at key points throughout my life of things that really helped me to get back on track with my recovery. So things like exercises that I did when I was in hospital. I talk a lot about what it was like traveling when I'm in recovery, but also my mum writes a couple of the chapters of it too. So to try and get that parental perspective on things and to try and raise awareness of what it's like to be a parent of someone who's struggling with an eating disorder as well. Um, and then it ends with kind of practical things and like ideas of what I do to manage my well-being, but also things that I think we should be trying to incorporate into everyone's lives actually regardless of where you sit on that mental health spectrum they're things that I think will work for a lot of people that's really cool mm -hmm. yeah I like that you had your mom contribute to it as well you know it, part of the thing with us starting this podcast was you know the original intent was to have the perspective of someone who is afflicted and someone who is a caregiver so you had multiple uh, perspectives on different things and that's so beneficial, you know, because, you know, you, and I'm sure you've seen this from, from responses you've gotten from your book. I know Beck got this with responses from her book where, you know, you've got people that are dealing with the same issues and they're coming to you and saying, hey, thank you for addressing this. But you've also got people not dealing with those issues, but they have a loved one in their life that does, and they're able to come to you and say, hey, thank you for putting this out there. This gives me a little bit more perspective on what my loved one is going through you know so that's that's really cool that you did that and I think awesome that you've got uh, you know different tips and tricks that, that you did to help you with your recovery yeah why don't you talk to us a little bit about those yeah what are some of those tips um, so I think for me a massive turning point in my recovery was an exercise that I did in hospital so when I went into hospital, I was in this complete denial phase. And I think a lot of people with eating disorders go through this, um, where you don't think you're ill enough to have an eating disorder. You don't think you look like you have an eating disorder. And so I had a whole distorted body image. And on the Friday night, um, I was in hospital for three, four days. 
one of the nurses came in and she got me to draw how I imagined myself on these massive pieces of brown paper. She then got me to lie down on that exact same piece of paper and she drew around the outside of me. And then she got me to look, stand up and look back down at these pieces of paper. And the images were just so, so different. It was ridiculous how much my body image was distorted. And at first I thought she'd lied to me, that she'd somehow tricked me. But actually I had this realization at that point there was something really wrong with my brain that in the way that I viewed myself. And it's things like that now that actually, although I don't do that exercise on like a day-to-day basis, obviously, um, it's things like that that actually help me think about the evidence of the fact that I don't, yes, I don't look like I've got an eating disorder, but actually what the anorexia tells me about my body image being distorted is all rubbish and it's all wrong. So it's about reminding myself that what I see in the mirror isn't my reality. The other couple of things that I do quite a lot of, so I use exercise in a real positive way to help me in my recovery. I know that this is quite a risky thing to do for some people, particularly if you've had an eating disorder and part of your eating disorder has been about that obsession with exercise. But again, for me, Mm -hmm. when I was in hospital, I wasn't allowed to exercise for kind of 10 months and then I was allowed to start again. And by starting to exercise slowly and in a supportive environment, it allowed me to change my whole understanding around exercise and how I view it and the fact that I don't need it to punish myself anymore, but actually I use it to give me that kind of thinking space and that headspace. And it's also helped me to become, I think, more body confident. So I now see my body in a different way. So I view myself probably in a different way as well through the exercise, just getting completely confident in that whole area of my life. Um, the other things I think which I always suggest, which I think are really important, is things like knowing what situations trigger you and might affect your eating, or if you've got other mental health problems, what might cause them to be affected that way. So whether it's social situations or family situations, and when you know what your triggers are, it's about trying to have ways to cope with those situations when you get to that point. So a trigger for me is going home, and I really struggle going home because my family is slightly dysfunctional, and there's always a lot of food around, and I just find it quite stressful. So how I cope with that is, me and my mum have a conversation a couple of days before I go home and we talk about the food that's going to be there. We talk about who from the family is going to be there. And just by having a bit of a plan in place, it allows me to feel much more confident in actually dealing with going home in that situation, but also helps my family feel less worried about me going home and feel less stressed about it as well. Um, and then I think a big one, which I know you guys kind of touched on slightly at the start, it's that whole thing about just talking about how you feel. And this is something that I do find very difficult at times. But again, I think it's something that we all need to try and get better at doing. And it's about finding people that you trust and you feel accountable to, to have that really honest conversation with. I think quite often when you talk very openly about recovery, and I'm not sure whether you found this as well, actually, is that actually people think that you're immune to getting a mental illness again or you're immune to getting a relapse or your recovery is just in this perfect position. But the reality is for a lot of us who talk openly about recovery, we have this added pressure to be well all the time. But actually we might be Mm. struggling a bit. So I think it's more how you manage yourself on those bad days, but making sure you have people around you who you can be completely honest with and feel able to be honest with so you can get that extra support. Yeah, that's huge having that. Yeah. You know, it, it really is. Um, you know, and it's. It, I think it's brilliant that you talk with your mom uh, before you, you head home. You know, being aware of your triggers and 
what's good for you and what's bad for you and what uh, situations that you need to avoid in your own best self-interest, um, that awareness is key. It's mm-hmm. it's huge in, in being able to maintain. Um, yeah, I just, that's, that's brilliant. Everything you said was brilliant. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just, it just is, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's so right on, you know, and we, we've had to do similar things ourselves with various family situations because they can be triggering for Beck and or myself. And, um, you know, being able to have that person you can talk to when she's having a bad day, she'll, she'll call and she'll text me and she'll say, Hey, you know, um, I'm not having a good day today. This is what's going on, you know? And, you know, you mentioned that, you know, you, you have a, a difficulty talking about it at times. And one thing that we've found over time is the more that you do talk about it, the more you find that inner courage and inner strength to, to continue talking about it and then it becomes easier. And then before you know it, it becomes a second nature kind of thing. Yeah. You know, good on you for pushing through that and doing that because, you know, that's, that's what you have to do to survive. And that's what we all have to do to survive. (laughs) Well, we are going to take a very quick break. I will, we'll be uh, back in uh, just a few minutes. So in the meantime, enjoy uh, Matt Stern, One More Night. This time I won't idealize you. I won't throw my hands up over my head and cry. Still I know you are the one and I still taste you on my tongue And I would be fortunate to lie with you One more night I know it won't take much time now I just take one look inside your eyes and I'm flying What am I still doing here? I know you will soon disappear But I still hold on to spend time with you One more night And turn on night till you come closer. Feeling you inside me over and over. Still, I know you are the one. I still taste you on my tongue, and I would be fortunate to lie with you.
Hey, welcome back to Voices for Change 2.0. We are so glad that you have decided to join us today. Absolutely. We are speaking with um, a lovely young lady that uh, we're having a great conversation with, Miss Hope Virgo. And she has an awesome British accent, and uh, I love it. <laughs> so, and for her, it's like, you know, not an accent. For her, us talking is probably an accent, but oh well. <laughs> All right, so let's hop, let's hop back into the questions. Now I, that I, I left that awkward, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, you sure did. I am sorry. <laughs> uh, you should be. I I am. I apologize. We've been doing this how long? A uh, long, long time. <laughs> All right, I'll hey, for, you, I'll forgive you this you, time. You know how I feel about British accents. I love British accents. Yes, dear, I understand. Yeah. All right, so let's. Let's move along with um, our questions here. Uh, so we were talking a little bit about your uh, sort of coping mechanisms mm-hmm. uh, for staying strong when you're when yeah. you're struggling. Um, but prior to the break, um, do you have advice for anyone that's uh, newly diagnosed? So I think. When you're newly diagnosed with an eating disorder, <clears throat> the really one of the hardest things is that your weight will change, and quite often for people, you have to put on weight if you're struggling with anorexia, um, and you will feel really guilty about that. And for me, my biggest worry when I started to recover was that my weight would shoot up, and it would just never ever stop shooting up, which sounds ridiculous to other people, but that was one of my massive worries. And I meet a lot of people who also worry about that. So I think my first bit of advice is to trust that actually your weight won't keep going up that will not happen and you have to trust the people around you that I think also that you have to realize that it's going to be unbelievably difficult to get to a really positive place in recovery and at times it will feel completely emotionally and physically exhausting and I know that sounds really negative but there's no point painting kind of this easy picture of it but I think it's about realizing that the eating disorder is stopping your life your life will be on hold until you manage it until you push yourself further forward with it and you have to think about those short-term and long-term goals when you're in recovery I know for me the anorexia convinced me that I was completely invincible and that life would just carry on and I could do exactly what I wanted to do but actually the reality was is there were points in my recovery in my illness and particularly when I hit rock bottom when my life was quite literally just put on hold. I spent a year in hospital and my life was on hold for that whole year. And a huge amount of time in hospital was spent actually thinking about those motivations for wanting to get well. So thinking about the fact that I wanted to go traveling one day, I wanted to get a job, I wanted to do my running again. And the biggest one for me is actually, I really want to have children one day. And it is all of this stuff that I think when you're really struggling with an eating disorder, you have to think about all of that stuff that you want out of life and stuff that if you start battling, yes, it will be hard at times, but you can get to that place where you can recover and where things will be okay. And I think as well, actually, for those around you, it's about reminding that person that you're supporting, that just because they're starting to eat and starting to maybe process things a bit differently and start to maybe look healthier, it's actually about reminding them that you know they're still struggling and just because they're eating, you know that not everything's fixed and not everything's going to be okay, but you know that they're trying really hard to get to that positive point. Yeah, having having that support system and, and someone supporting you uh, is, is a key thing and, and having them realize 
like you said, you know, just because you're eating again doesn't mean that, you know, you're better. Right. You know, you, you, they they still need to be vigilant and still need to be there for you. You know, whenever Beck's struggling with with her stuff, I'm I'm always, you know, is there anything I can do? Is there anything you need? You know, and, and even on good days, I'll, I'll ask her that. You know, because you never know. And that's an that's an important thing. Communication. And I think that's one thing that we've established over the couple of years of doing this show is that communication is key. You know, having having a good rapport with your loved ones, with your caretaker, with your with your doctor, your therapist, your priest, whoever. Um, you know, you you need to have an open channel of communication. You know. Uh, because the the Ill, all the different illnesses are going to tell you lies, and you know you need to be able to get out of your head, and yeah. <laughs> I I was <coughs> I, I was me. curious, Hope. Um, when you were diagnosed, were you diagnosed with any other mental health conditions as well? And uh, no, just anorexia. Um, but oh, I think. Okay. Yeah, so I think a lot of people often get diagnosed with, yeah, multiple things. And for me, no, it was just the anorexia. But I think the things like my mood were often affected massively. Um, and I had I got quite anxious around feed times and things like that. But, yeah, no, just the anorexia. Okay. Which is probably um, a relief. <laughs> but it's only one. However <laughs> <laughs> awful that's <laughs> um, do you wanna Do you want to ask that or... I've got a question. I've got to ask her. Okay. Um, so you, you brought up something that is currently being heavily debated here in the States, uh, over there in, in England, you guys have, uh, nationalized health and, you know, dealing with the NHS over there. And, you know, right now it's a hotly debated topic over here. A lot of us are proponents for Medicare for all and which would be a similar thing to your NHS. Yeah. And um do you find that getting the getting the treatment that you need when you need it is difficult or at, only at times difficult or you know is it is it something that's that's very manageable how is it actually working within that system for for you with with battling a, a mental illness versus versus a, a physical situation like say breaking your arm so for me I fully support the NHS and I think you need to have free health care and I think that's vital and but I think the problem is that the NHS is very overstretched and because of lack of funding and I think quite often with mental health there isn't as much money going into it and it's a fairly new thing that's funded and people don't have as much training in it and as much awareness it means that it is much harder to get support there are currently like waiting lists that are months, if not years long, which means that as soon as you can actually access that support, you're probably going to be at crisis point or people end up ending their lives. And for me, I tried to get support when I relapsed, but because I wasn't under waiting enough, there wasn't any support available for me through the NHS. So I ended up going on medication um, to try and tackle my eating disorder that way, which was a bit of a controversial way of doing it that it worked for me to kind of get me back through my relapse. But I think for a lot of people, you are left at that point where you are at crisis point. And there just isn't enough money. There's not enough beds. There's nothing really available. 
And I think the problem with yeah, the way the NHS does their mental health services, while some of them are very good, and we do have some that focus on things like early intervention, a lot of them do not focus on that. And we wait until someone is at crisis point and needs a bed. So then they go into hospital and then they end up staying in hospital for a much longer time because they find it safe and secure, um, as opposed to treating them out in the community where it will probably have a much faster recovery time. Sorry, guys, we lost Rebecca and Joe there. We're trying to get them back now. Hope, I'm sorry about that. We're going to go to another quick song break, and we'll be back in just a couple seconds, okay? And now the end is near, and so I face the final curtain. My friend, I'll say clear, I'll state my case, of which I'm certain, I've lived a life that's full, I've traveled each and every highway, and more, much more than this. again to few dimension I did what I had to do and saw it through without exemption I planned each charted course each careful step Hey guys, sorry about that. Uh, welcome back to Voices for Change 2.0. That was uh, a live show for you. Yeah, and <laughs> and ha- having us drop out like that was definitely not our way that we wanted to do it. <laughs> no. But don't. Uh oh, we got some comments from the peanut gallery here. Yeah. <laughs> um. So uh, let's let's jump back in. I'm I can't actually if we had so much going on I can't actually recall where we left off. But um, I need to take care of her for a minute. Okay, go so ahead. You go take ahead. Over. Yep. Joe's gonna step away for just a minute. Um, as we mentioned uh, to Hope earlier, and some of you may be aware, we have um, uh, an ill family member, a furry family member, and uh, we unfortunately have to um, take. Uh, really close care of her because she can't walk right now. So that's all I'm going to say about it. I don't want to go, you know, too crazy with it, with it. But we got to do everything we can for her, and unfortunately, that means he's got to step away for a minute. So I will continue the questions with our lovely guest, and we we really appreciate your patience uh, during our our struggles here. 
that correct? Okay. All right. So let's talk about your Dump the Scales campaign, which is doing really well. I'm really happy for you. Uh, It looks like you are really making some big strides. So let's let's talk a little bit about that. Um, Yes. So I launched uh, Dump the Scales last July. Um, And the reason I launched it was because I got turned away from services um, for not being thin enough to access our support. But I realized after you know, my relapse and sharing my story that this isn't just something that happened to me, but it's something that happens to hundreds of people every single day across the country. And it's just ridiculous that we still live in a society where people think the only way to have an eating disorder is to be sick then. And so I'm working mm-hmm. with the government in the UK to currently try and change this. So we launched a petition back in July, um, which has now got just over 70,000 signatures. Um, we've had oh, a wow. um, we dropped it at number 10 Downing Street a couple of weeks ago and just currently waiting on a formal response from the Prime Minister. But you can still add your signature and your voice to this. And I think for me, something that is really important is actually trying to get more stories to show that actually this is an impact. This is something that's actually impacting a lot of people. And if we don't challenge this and don't change this, then people with the industry are going to keep struggling, they're going to keep suffering. And they're not going to actually be able to get any of that support that they really need. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's amazing. You're doing taking wonderful strides with that. I'm really happy for you with that. Um I plan on taking part in it too. I just haven't uh haven't had the pep in my step to get <laughs> to get out there and uh take a picture with the with the photo, but um so that's how people can get involved, is, right? Is, is taking a photo? Are there other are there other ways? Yeah, so I guess there's a couple of ways. The first one um, is to add your name to the um, add your name to the petition, say so sign it and share it. And what I'm encouraging people to do is share it with at least five other people to try and keep that momentum going around it. There's also um, a Dump the Scales logo, so people are taking loads of really awesome photos with it. Even people's pets are getting involved in taking photos. We've got children getting involved. We've got like elderly people getting involved, so a real mix of people showing either just kind of them holding the sign or putting the sign in their profile picture, or people who are actually acting out what some of the sales means to them. So I had a really cool one actually, where someone had graffitied all over their own set of sales at home, showing that these sales now gave them no power, that they were dumping sales, things like that. And then the third way is for people to just get in touch and share their stories. So whether that's getting in touch with me directly or sharing it on your own social media and hashtagging up the sales so that we can find it and reshare it. Um, and that can be in the form of kind of writing a picture or again, doing a video or something like that. We can continue to keep applying that pressure on the government to actually change this. Yeah, it, it's just, cool. it kind of blows my mind. You know, there's just some really, really uh, idiotic policies out there i mean um but conversely you know they uh if you want to go and get weight loss surgery you have to be you can't go if if you're not quote unquote fat enough yeah you know so you can't get help if you're not thin enough you can't get help if you're not fat enough which is all kinds of fun yeah, I don't know. I, I'm sorry that I missed part of the conversation, and I don't know if this came up at all, but um, one thing that I have to deal with with my job is, because you know, I drive for a living, 
I, I have to have uh, DOT certification every year. And one of the things that gets taken into account is BMI, body mass index. And it's ridiculous. You know, I mean, I understand what they're going for with it. You know, if people are in a certain range are overweight and are susceptible to sleep apnea, they could fall asleep while they're driving, stuff like that. That's fine. But the numbers that are associated with BMI are just, they're, they're, it's not realistic. You know, you get somebody with like 2% body fat and they're going to be classified as obese based on BMI, you know, and and just like if they're really muscular, for example, like a bodybuilder type guy. So it's just, it doesn't paint a proper picture, you know, at least not to me, you know, so I don't know. I I just, that's that's my two cents on that. Yeah, no, I do completely agree that. I think as well, like with athletes and stuff like that, like quite often marathon runners or whatever maybe got a higher BMI because they're so muscular. So I think it is mm-hmm. quite a fashioned and dated way of doing things. And I think particularly with eating disorders, it then makes them like into this like real simplistic kind of thing when actually they're really complicated. So I think exactly. that's, that's my biggest frustration is it's like we look for that physical sign and we look for the physical part of the illness when it is a mental illness and we need to be treating it like a mental illness. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, the, that's, you know, it's a, it's a, body dysmorphia thing you know you and you talked about it yourself you know what you're seeing in the mirror you know your your brain is telling you one thing and the reality is something different and it's a matter of putting that together and and having it kind of resolve it, itself mm-hmm. you know what i mean that's yeah kind of not a great explanation <laughs> that's okay <laughs> <clears throat> pardon me excuse me i'm I generally hope if you haven't listened to us before, generally about this time in every show, I start to lose my voice (laughs) and it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it tremendously. So um, just bear with me here. We're, uh, we're, we're fun today. We're we're fun. We're We're a a fun fun couple. (laughs) Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a blast being us. Yeah, for sure. People envy us. (laughs) (laughs) They're so green with envy. Yeah. All right. So. Or, or vomit. Or the vomit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how uh, pervasive eating disorders are, and if you can kind of, you know, na- nail it down a little bit. I don't know if you're able to, but hope if you can kind of talk about who most frequently struggles with eating disorders. Um. So there is. Uh, in the UK, 1.6 million people who struggle with eating disorders. Um, so across the country, across the world, that's obviously going to be an even higher and extreme number. I think the scary thing about the stats with eating disorders is quite often we people aren't diagnosed, people aren't active on support, so then they go, they're not kind of counted for in the statistics. So there's like a lot of people with eating disorders who live functioning with an eating disorder that don't ever access services or any support, even though they're probably not that happy and they're struggling quite a bit with food themselves. They do predominantly mm. affect teenage girls, but it isn't just, just teenage girls. They do affect boys, they affect older people, they affect people from all different backgrounds. And I think, again, because we associate eating disorders just with teenage girls, it means that boys find it much harder to actually ever reach out for that support because 
they don't think that anyone would diagnose them with an eating disorder. And particularly actually something with athletes and runners is we often say if you stop, if you exercise a lot, you lose your period. And so you can always spot someone who's maybe not having enough nutrition and exercising too much without their period. But actually boys don't have periods. So it kind of, again, adds to that level of stigma that boys won't have an eating disorder because they don't get periods anyway. There's that whole other hmm. Of complication that comes with it. Yeah, yeah I have to say, men men have it a little bit rough when yeah. it comes to mental health and and you know even eating disorders. I know that there were certain uh, male figure skaters that came out over the last year that indicated they they suffered with uh, eating disorders and you know trying to stay thin and working out profusely and you know mm-hmm. men unfortunately got the short end of the stick when it comes to um, you know, eating disorders or mental illnesses because it's harder for them to come forward and and like they talk about on, online all the time. You know, they're told you know to man up. Although I've never I've never felt that way. I've never said that to anybody. I I can't imagine doing that. But you know, it, it's out there. It happens. It, it, I've I know seen it, it does. I know it does. Yeah. But I I can't. I can't imagine doing it myself. Yeah, just... it's your the the stigma for men is that you're thought of as weak, and you know you have to be this big strong man. You have to protect people, and and how are you going to do that if you're so called weak? You know you've got mm-hmm. you know a deficiency you know mentally or you know different things like that, and it's a pride thing partly, and. So, yeah, it, it's a lot harder as a man coming forward, and, you know, especially with, like, an eating disorder. You know, you never hear about guys that have an eating disorder, you know. Um, you never hear about men that are anorexic or men that are bulimic. You know, it just, it's just not talked about. And, again, that comes back to, you know, communication, you know, and, and our hashtag, Keep Talking MH. You know, being able to have the uh, wherewithal, I guess, to say, hey, I need to talk about this. I need to seek help, you know. Um, So if you're a male and you're listening, by all means, if you're suffering with anorexia, if you're suffering with bulimia, if you're suffering with depression or bipolar disorder or any number of things that you feel that if you say something to somebody, you're going to feel less, less than. So, yeah. I'm I'm here to tell you that's not the case. You're not going to be less than a man if you seek out this help. If anything, you're you're an inspiration and you're a um, an example. You know, a warrior. You know, you're taking control of what is afflicting you. Uh, and and we're proud of you if you take that that step, you know, yeah, and we support you. So. Yeah, and and I I don't know how you feel about this hope, but I have found that uh, gradually as as I got to know people, uh, especially on Twitter in the the mental health community on Twitter, that um, it's it's starting to feel like a more positive environment and it's starting to feel easier to be able to come forward and say, Hey, I'm struggling today. Um, you know, 
is there anybody out there that that can talk or or, or what whatever the case may be? I don't, do you feel like it's more accepted now that you talk about it than maybe it was even five years ago? Yeah, no, definitely. And I think there is less judgment um, around it. I think particularly on social media, I do find it very refreshing how honest and open people are. And people do feel able to be mostly honest with each other and with themselves. I think there is something that stops people always being honest and something that stops some people reaching out for support. But I guess, like what you guys have said, the more we talk about things, actually the better it will be. And I think sometimes, as individuals, when we're in recovery, and obviously it will depend at what stage we're at, it's about us taking a bit of ownership on ourselves. And, <clears throat> yeah, it's like if we take that urgent, um, we take that kind of, like, responsibility, we can start to tell people exactly how we feel and say this will really help us in this situation. And I think sometimes we need to start doing more of that when we feel able to. So I know for me, I have people around me that I'm able to, mostly not all the time, but quite often say to them, actually, this will really help me today. And I think we all need, again, to find those people that we can tell them what will work for us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're we're getting down to our time here, but um, how can people connect with you online? Um, if they're interested in participating or even they just want to talk to you about your book, how do, you, how do we connect with you online? Um, so my Twitter uh, handle is Hope Virgo. Um, so if you kind of take a look at that um, and feel free to contact me on that. I do try and go back to everyone. So if you've got any kind of specific questions on anything that we've talked about today or just generally on eating disorders and my campaign or mental health, like, do feel free to send them over and I'll do my best to get back to you. Um, also on Instagram, um, so Hope Virgo 1. Um, and then uh, the campaign is if you just search hashtag Douglas Scales, um, then it'd be awesome as well if you guys could again kind of find that, share that, um, and kind of then that'll be another way for you to be kept updated on where we're at with the campaign and what's happening next and things like that. Cool. Okay, great. That's so awesome. What what is coming up next for you? Um, so next week is Mental Health Awareness Week in the UK. So from uh, today up until next Saturday, I'm in kind of back to back sessions. So media and uh, doing lots of talks um, in corporate hospitals and schools over the next week or so. And then my main focus over the next couple of months will continue to be the campaign. I think it's frustrating in one sense how long it's taking to make real concrete kind of commitment and progress with it. Um, and I have to keep myself momented with it and keep kind of moving forward with it. Um, but I think a big focus will be trying to look at that and actually look at what else we can do in that space to make that change happen and to make the government see that it is a priority. So continuing to work a lot on that. Okay. Cool. That sounds awesome. That is very cool. Yeah, you get, you're going to have a busy week this week, I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think. <laughs> well, we've had um, a great time talking to you today, despite our mild technical issues. <laughs> Um, it's been yeah. been good talking to you, and uh, I, our, you might want to want to keep listening. Uh, our next guest is is also someone who has dealt with anorexia, which is I didn't plan it that way. Yeah, I didn't. It just kind of worked <laughs> out like that. Yeah, I just it got a hold of both of you, and and um, it's 
you know, similar for each. So um, that's kind of what our, our, you know, body image is our, is our thought of the day today, I guess. So, um, but yeah, we're, we're really happy that you're able to join us. Uh, We'd love to have you back again. If anything new comes up um, and you want to come on and talk about it, just, you know, where to find me, just give me a shout. Yeah, no, definitely. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been really fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, stay on the line. And we'll be listening to Blake MacGyver's Mother. Mother told me, listen, child, my beauty is the sea and my anger makes it wild. A star will burn until it dies. My earth will shake until I make all my children cry. Mother.
Hey, y'all, you're listening to Voices for Change 2.0 on a wonderful Saturday morning in May. This is part two of our show. Yeah. So thank you for sticking around. Yeah, stick around. We got another hour of awesomeness. Did I really just say that? You did. Oh, my you God. You laid it out there. I just, uh, I'm, <laughs> I am sorry. Um, we, we like Blake McIver so much that we're going to listen to another song. Yeah, this is called Gets Better. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I might be wrong, too. Let's, we'll, uh, <laughs> but sorry to uh, Blake McIver. <laughs> there you go.
It does get better. It does, indeed. Every day <laughs> on Voices for Change 2.0. Thanks for <laughs> tuning in, you guys. Uh, this is Joe. The beautiful, wonderful woman sitting next to me is my lovely wife, Rebecca. Thank you, honey. You know I love you. I love you, too. You guys can throw up yet? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so really quick. Uh, we are... Tomorrow is Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just want to say that really quick. Uh, we are in the process of connecting to our next guest. So in the meantime, we're going to throw one more song at you. Uh, please stay tuned in. Uh, this is You Belong by Brandon James. Fighting the law of attraction Never the one taking action Years of denying this beauty inside
Hey guys, welcome back to Voices for Change 2.0. We, uh, as always, are glad to have you with us for the second half of today's adventure. That's right. Um, to quote the song you're just listening to, you belong Absolutely. with us. Oh my God, where's the cheesiness coming from? I don't know. I don't know. We're going to have to have a talk about that later. I, I am sorry. Um, <laughs> we, we really have to have a chat. Yeah, I I think I, I think all the cold medicine's getting to me. Yeah, you're, a little bit. You're counteracting my sarcasm, and that's not working for me. No, I'm sorry. It's, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I I am I I am sorry. Okay. Okay. So. All right. Well, our second half of the show is uh, really really important to us. As we mentioned before, our first guest is someone that deals with anorexia, and and our second guest is as well. Yeah, and um, it's Body Image Saturday. Yes, Body Image Saturday. Very well said. Thank you. Uh, one of the few things I can say well right now <laughs> until I get congested again. Um, she is uh, really, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? She's really popular on on uh, social media. She has uh, a YouTube channel that is phenomenal, and she talks about you know, her struggles and she tries to learn from other people's struggles and she's just really a really great lady and I, I really like her a lot and I'm really glad that I finally got to get her on the show. We've been trying for a little while but things weren't falling where they needed to fall. So but now we've got her and I'm very excited. So please welcome um Miss Anxiety herself, Beth. <laughs> You guys are going to make me cry. That was the most beautiful introduction. <laughs> you make me sound so good. <laughs> well, we we only speak the truth. That's oh. what we do. We're truth. We're, we speak truth here. We're truth speakers. We're truth tellers. Yes, truth tellers. That is beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you have any uh, questions for us before we jump into ours? Um, I don't think so. Just go for it. Okay. Okay. Um, by the way, uh, everybody, you're, you're not hearing things. This is our second UK person on the show today. <laughs> so. And they both got through. And they both got through. Yay. It's exciting. Woo. Yay. Yeah, that's very important. <laughs> yeah. Because I've been planning this, these, um, you know, these double Saturdays for a while now. So, yeah, I'm so grateful that everybody's been able to connect, uh, even though we've even had audio issues. So yeah, you know, I I think on the on the last show, I think it was um, I think it, I think it was was uh, uh, Skype. I don't think it was us. I don't think it was yeah, Scott or anybody else. Been. I think because that little logo thing that popped up, that was a Skypey looking type of logo. Yeah. Thanks, Skype. <laughs> it's all right. We got through it. Yeah. That's what's important. That's so, right. <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, Beth, we'll start off with the question that we most often ask our guests, and I say that every week, but uh, it's the truth. Yep. And that is, um, where does your mental health journey begin? Ooh, good question. Um, I first started to notice that there was maybe something not quite right when I was about 10 years old, um, and I was in school, and I started to notice that I just, I was withdrawing a lot. Um, from kind of the social aspect. I wanted to stay at home. I just, I didn't want to interact with anybody. Um, and then there was one fateful event that happened that caused probably one of the, the biggest things I've ever had to deal with. Um, and one Christmas, me and my family, all of us, we got so sick. It was the most horrific thing ever. It was horrible. 
um, and eventually that kind of experience led to me developing something called emetophobia. Um, and that was intense. And that basically, for anybody who doesn't know, because I say it like it's such a normal word, <laughs> but it's actually really not. Emetophobia is the intense fear of vomiting or becoming physically sick. Um, I got mm. so ill that time that I just became terrified of the idea. I avoided going out. I didn't like to uh, touch anything, really. I preferred to wear gloves. Um, I'd shower a lot. I would just avoid anybody and anybody. So it was it was really intense. And that I guess that's where it all began for me, really. Wow. Hmm. It's, it's funny that you mentioned that because I um, – there's a couple of things that you mentioned that that really I, I'd like to address. The the, the first one be having the I, I can't pronounce the word, so I'm not even going to try and say it. But having a fear <laughs> of vomiting, um, yeah, for me, phobia. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> for for <laughs> for me, <clears throat> I have this thing. I don't throw up at at all. You know, so if I'm throwing up, you know, I'm really really sick. I mean, Beck wow. can attest to that. And it's it's part I partly have this fear of it. I just ah. so that really hits home for me that there's an that an actual phobia of it. Um, yeah. You know. I think that you wouldn't be. I throw up a lot. To be <laughs> honest, I get I get migraines and I throw up. I have no I got no control over it. She has no qualms. No, there's nothing <laughs> I can do to change it. So, but um, he's he's always very supportive you know, with me. So I would think that if, if you're suffering from that, you'd need to avoid me as well when yeah. I, when I'm going through that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And then, and then the other thing that you mentioned is something that Beck went through as well. When you were young and you had this, you know, not wanting to go to school, feeling, feeling mm. terrible, not wanting to be around people. She went through the same thing. Mm-hmm. Wow. Sure did. Yeah, I, would, I would wake up, in the morning and and tell my mom every time I had a headache and a stomach ache and I wasn't lying. I did. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, it was more centered around anxieties for, from school or, you know, whether or not I completed the homework or if there was a test or, you know, or if, you know, someone had, I got teased a lot. I had a, my maiden name is kind of a strange last name and I, and I was, you know, full figured, although yeah. it, admittedly not not as full figured as I am now. I, if I could go back to that, I'd be in heaven. But um, you know, they I got made fun of a lot for my weight and you know just my my last name and just picked on all the time. So I had I had trouble getting up and yeah. and going to school. Even though I had a lot of friends and that all went fine. But there are just people that like to mock me yeah, all through middle school and in and, and high school. Because children are mean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds so hard. I can't even imagine. Like, I definitely had a similar thing to you, for sure. And I think sometimes parents, you know, it's well documented that kids don't really want to go to school. But they don't ever think about, oh, there might actually be some kind of thing underneath this. It's not probably just not laziness, you know? Right. Yeah. There's actually a thing popping around. I've seen it come up in my Facebook feed. I don't know if you have or anybody else has, but um, 
it's this thing where it says that, you know, kids, when they don't want to go to school, you know, it might be a form of anxiety, but instead of the kids saying, I, I have anxiety about going to school, they say, my stomach hurts, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and I, I think it's fascinating because it's, it really hits home that there's a lack of education about anxiety and, and uh, you know, different mental illnesses and, and whatnot, mm-hmm. you know, at a very young age. And, you know, can you imagine how huge it would be if we were kids and we were able to say to our parents, hey, I'm having some anxiety about going to school today. Yeah. You know, and being heard and being understood. Yeah, that would be be incredible. I kind of wish that I'd have been able to do that. I remember when I I first started seeing my therapist and she said that I wasn't feeling anything. All I was feeling was tense. So that was my word. I would just go around and say, I'm feeling really tense today. And it was only later on (laughs) that I realized that it was anxiety. Yeah. 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 And that makes sense. And you, you also you also struggled with anorexia, correct? Yes. Yeah, that kind of came around um, because of the emetophobia. They kind of interlinked, which is a bit weird. Um, but apparently it's really common. Um, it's a common kind of aspect of emetophobia as well. So eventually, my anorexia didn't really start out the way that you think anorexia might start out. It wasn't kind of, oh, I want to look this way or I want to keep my weight under control. It was more, I'm terrified that if I eat something, I am going to vomit and get sick. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I basically just mm-hmm. tried to control my diet through that. And, oh, God, I lost a lot of weight. I was very, very skinny. Um, but eventually it did kind of manifest into anorexia, the, the way that you would expect it. So it became about body image and it became about what I look like. And I used to wear really baggy kind of clothes so that, People wouldn't look at me or be able to see my body because by that point I was really tiny. Hmm. I'm sorry that you went through that. Yeah, for sure. That that sucks. Yeah, it was really um, hard, but I think it was it was something that I've definitely grown through. It's really strange because some people always say like, "Would you go back in time and take it away if you could?" And I'm never sure what to answer for that question at all. It's Without it, I wouldn't be the same person I am today. But also without it, there would have been a lot less pain. So it's, it's a tough question, yeah. right? Right. That's yeah. a that's a tough one. We always end up wrestling with too, you know, because you know Beck's been through it. Um, I've been through different, but been through it. Mm-hmm. And you always wonder, well, if I can go back to this point, could I? Would I change it? If I could do this, would I change it? And mm-hmm. you know. You you know it used to be years and years I would I would spend playing the I like to call it the what if game, and mm-hmm. I find as I'm getting older that I I can't waste my time doing the what if game anymore just for myself you know it's mm-hmm. okay this is the reality this is what's going on now mm-hmm. what's my next step you know yeah. yeah I love that that's so powerful as well it kind of you can't live with regrets can you. Yeah, you know, if you think about it for too much, then you're stuck. You know, you're you're not moving yeah. forward. You're not living your life. You know? <clears throat> so that's that's been the the hard thing we've been wrestling with. You know, Beck mentioned that we're dealing with some stuff with uh, one of our kitties, and uh, you know, we we started kind of playing the what if game the other night, and 
I had to stop. I'm like, look, we, we can't do this because we're not going to know. We're not going to find an answer at this not point. going to make it better. Yeah, at this point, <laughs> you know, what's, what's the reality and what do we need to do going forward? And that's what we're doing. And, you know, that's – it's kind of liberating mm. a little bit. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I hear that for sure. I think your brain can sometimes – you can get into a tangle, can't you? A tangle of emotions yeah. and thoughts and – what if this happens? Like you say, it's, it can be so intense. You, you kind of got to slow it down if you can, can't you? Yeah, absolutely. So when did you decide to come out with your story? Well, I started to kind of really start to speak out about my story about two years ago. Um, I joined Twitter on a complete whim. I didn't make my account um, with the purpose of it being a big account for mental health. Surprisingly, um, I wanted to make YouTube videos and I wanted to make them about mental health and, and stuff like that. And that was just going to be my space to say, hey, I put a video up today. Why don't you go watch it <laughs> kind of thing. Um, right. And eventually over time, it, it kind of started to grow. And through my videos and as well through kind of making friends on Twitter and, and all sorts, I've met some incredible people on there, really inspiring. Um, I've gathered the courage to kind of open up, share my story, and just, you know, be a part of that narrative. It's so powerful. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Sorry. Yeah. The community on Twitter is unbelievable. You know, it it really is. And, you know, gratefully, the the trolls have kind of weeded themselves out. You know, it's funny. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about this uh, in regards to trolls. I was thinking, have they really taken a step back or <clears throat> have I just figured out who they all are and they're all blocked? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. Maybe you figured them out. Maybe you figured it right. out. I think yeah. it's difficult, right, with trolls on, on Twitter because a lot of the time they seek to just tear people down that are doing well. I've tried to make a point of it too. If ever I get a hate comment, which doesn't happen as often as it used to, thankfully, but um, yeah. whenever I do get one, I make a point of asking how their day was you know I don't respond to it I'm just like how was your day how are you feeling today and a lot of the time I get tirades of of, yeah my day was absolutely rubbish I'm going through this I'm going through that it's really tough it's amazing how many people turn to Twitter anonymously who just completely vent their grief or their pain or it's it's so difficult but people other people you know especially people like that do what we do or you know lifting others Nobody deserves that. Absolutely. Yeah. Mhm. Absolutely. And and that really does make a difference. You know, uh mm. that was one thing I saw I know you're not a fan of her, babe, but Sarah Silverman got attacked <laughs> by this guy. It was like last year sometime. She got just completely attacked by this guy on Twitter. And instead of lashing back out to him, she engaged in him and asked and did kind of the same thing you, you do, Beth. Uh, just, you know, what's going on with you? How's your day? And by the end of it, the guy apologized. They became friends, you know, and just it was really kind of an inspiring thing. You know, and, yeah. you know, it's just really she she's kind of an interesting person. I'll, I'll give her that, you know. Um, don't, she actually suffers with bipolar herself. Yeah, you know, and, oh, wow. and so, you know, it's just it's it's really really cool. She's she's a rather interesting person, you know. 
I don't, I don't, you know, dislike her. I just, you know, she's just there. Yeah, she just <laughs> you know. falls in just the bottom yeah. of your wheelhouse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can't put your finger on it. <laughs> yeah. I forgot what I had a question when I uh, flipped my mind. So. I'm sorry. That's okay. It's not your fault. I, I do, I do that a lot. <laughs> I screw up. Uh, you know, I think I know what it was. Um, okay. You have the. Um, I can't remember how to say it either, but <laughs> um, the one condition that you mentioned is then you were dealing with the anorexia. Were you ever diagnosed with depression, anxiety, of the like? Yes. Yeah. I eventually, when I got to uh, about 15, uh, my parents forced me to go to the doctor because it was quite clear that, I mean, I wasn't functioning as a person at all. I was staying in bed. I was avoiding school. Well, I'd, I'd actually, I'd leave to go to school and I'd watch my parents drive by to go to work and then I'd turn around and I'd walk back home. Um, so I wouldn't go to school. <laughs> um, and it was quite clear that I was really struggling. My attendance was low. I was, it was really bad. So I went to the doctor um, and he did prescribe me. He, he did say, you know, you can go on um, some medication if that would help, but we think that you've got mild depression um, GAD, generalized anxiety disorder, um, and he did just, you know, for the record, say you've also got anorexia and emetophobia as well. Um, so yeah, I did get the piece of paper, you know, with it all on. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was nice to have that in a way. It kind of it put it in black and white what I was going through. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the one thing with getting a diagnosis is, you know, you're not quite wondering so much you know, what the hell is wrong with me? You're, you're more, mm-hmm. okay, well now, now that someone else has figured out that I might have this, this and that going on, now I can take steps to treat it, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's a big thing. You know, mm-hmm. it, it gives you a little bit of power. Yeah, definitely. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Power. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I have a question for you, Miss Beth. Okay. Um, you you have a YouTube channel that is very popular. Would you tell us about it, please? Of course, I would love to. Um, I do have a YouTube channel called Miss Anxiety, um, which obviously is the same name as my Twitter name. Um, I again started it on a whim, the same way I did with Twitter. Really, I didn't ever expect to gain as much of a following as it has. Um, but yeah, I I needed a place to kind of share what I was going through. I mean, I I started with the idea of doing blogs, just like, hey, I'm feeling this way today, and I've got these conditions, and if you've got those conditions, you're not alone, same kind of thing. Um, And then eventually it kind of progressed into I wanted to do videos about my conditions and, you know, the symptoms and what I do to help um, myself with it and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, and then eventually it's kind of turned into another thing where at the moment I'm kind of going and visiting as many advocates as I can and just sharing all of their work. So it's, it's nice how it's kind of changed over time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Joe is stepping aside for a moment to deal with our four-legged friend, so he will be back <laughs> with us, but... I will um, I will take on the role of the only host. Oh, I love it. It's yeah, yeah, girl power. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> even though I'm, <clears throat> excuse me, losing my voice, but what if if someone was looking to get into doing YouTube videos and uh, wanted to tell their story that way, do you have advice for someone um, in that position or, you know, yeah, you know, just whether, yeah, I think, I think it's quite important, you know, it's important not to overthink it. I think it's something, you know, you see these YouTubers, you know, the really popular ones with millions of followers. Um, and they all do yeah. things all perfectly. They've got the great lighting. They've got the backdrop. They've got everything going on. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the most important thing is to just be authentic. Just be yourself. Um, YouTube doesn't have to be that big kind of glamorous space. There's, there's lots of really important videos on there that maybe don't have millions of views. Or there's lots of important people on there that don't have millions of followers. You know, it's It's really important. So, yeah, I would definitely say... Don't overthink it. Just you know, you can do it on an iPhone even. Um, it doesn't have to be perfect. Just put yourself out there, and I promise you, it will pay off for sure. That's that's good advice. Now, how about? <clears throat> Gosh, I'm so sorry that I'm losing my voice here. Oh no! <clears throat> Beg your pardon. Um, <laughs> as far as uh, getting the word out, and what which social media channels do you think have been? The, the best for you as far as trying to get people to come and take a look at your channel? Mm. I think Twitter has been incredible. Uh, that was really surprised me because I, I didn't know how to use Twitter at all. Mm-hmm. For a millennial, I am terrible at technology. Um, and <laughs> so I guess Twitter is, is the best place. It's like a really global place to be, you know, that everybody can get to you. Um, Instagram has been interesting. I, I'm, I'm not... I'm still not sure that I've got the hang of it yet, but that's quite mm-hmm. fun. Um, but I don't, I'm not sure I get as many people on there. Um, but yeah, Twitter is just a, a wonderful, wonderful place to be. You can reach a lot of people. On yeah, there. I agree. And, and, you know, even though I will, I will preface my, my compliments about Twitter with um, this statement that if, if you're truly, truly at a point where you are really, really struggling with something, um, maybe you know god forbid you're you're dealing with suicidal thoughts or what have you mm-hmm. you know twitter is a wonderful place and there are a lot of uh great people but there's also the possibility that you could reach out and i've seen it i've seen it happen where someone will post something on their on their page you know i i think i just want to end it all or something something like that and mm. they don't get any res- they don't get any responses you know and it's not necessarily because people are you know, to heck with you, I don't care. It's just that you're not getting it out there at the exact right time and, you know, the the chips didn't fall where they, they needed to and it's it makes it very hard because then you can feel even more alone and, you know, like you've got nobody to turn to. So whenever I start talking about, yeah, you know, whenever I start talking about Twitter and how great it is. I always want to add that in there in case anybody is listening that thinks that, you know, you can go on there and get immediate help. Yes, sometimes you can, but sometimes it, it might not work out for you. So just use social media wisely, I guess, is, is the, the statement that I have as far as that goes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think you've got to protect yourself, haven't you, sometimes? I mean, 
the specific mm-hmm. words that I have um, kind of muted on Twitter, that's a really good thing to do if you're kind of struggling. Just mute mm-hmm. the specific words that are going to be triggering or what have you. But yeah, it's it's super important, like especially after a therapy session. Um, I avoid all social media at all costs just because I feel really kind of vulnerable at that moment. I think it's, it's mm-hmm. really good to pay attention to that. Right. Yeah, I, I can understand that completely. I personally don't uh, go to therapy, and I know this sounds terrible, but I've never found that it actually works for me. So really? to, I, I like hearing when people are, are successful with their, their therapy. That makes me have more faith in, in the in the profession because I've experienced some really bad therapists. <laughs> Let me tell really? You. <clears throat> I kind yeah, of want to ask about that is that okay oh yeah for sure yeah like what so what happened what made you kind of feel that way about it well the last therapist I had fell asleep while I was talking what yeah she fell asleep (laughs) Um, I take Joe to all of my appointments and he was sitting there on the couch next to me and uh, I looked at him and he looked at me and I sort of slowed down talking a little bit and then I kind of let it go silent and then she sort of acted like she was awake and started talking again but I know she was asleep and you know I've had some what's the word I'm looking for um I've had some male therapists that didn't want to talk to a female really they they more talk to Joe than they talk to me um uh, Joe actually had a therapist, and I don't talk about this a lot because it it was a good participating factor in my uh, attempts at taking my life in 2013, and that was Joe's therapist actually called me and, and reamed me out and told me not to put my husband through all this stuff. Oh. Oh so, you know, this is a professional person knowing, you know, he's gone to her and said that his wife is suicidal. She calls me up and tells me to stop it, essentially. So, that is <laughs> I, yeah, I don't that, blame you for feeling those things about therapy after hearing about what you've been through. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, <laughs> you know, so, and, and honestly, when I, I, in a way, way back, maybe 20 years ago, when I did have a nice therapist that, you know, I, I liked for the most part, it just didn't help. You know, mm. it always made me feel worse and there was never any, any relief from, it was just made me feel like crap, you know? So. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's enough the about- thing with recovery, isn't it? Because it's all, you know, recovery is different for every single person, isn't it? That's amazing. Mm-hmm. To hear. You know, I'm really sorry that you went through that. That really sucks. Yeah, thank you. It it it's it gets to you a little bit, but you know, it, you learn how to how to process your 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 emotions better, I think, when you're kind of forced to do it on your own and you become more self-aware and you and you know, like I have my my marriage and you know, Joe is an extremely powerful force in my life and whenever I feel like I'm going down or, you know, about to, to, to be in, you know, the, the depression or, you know, anxiety, whatever it is, I can always reach out to him. And that's, 
been a huge benefit. So I have the power. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's back from tending to our our little baby there. Yep. So um, hope uh, I'm sorry I didn't mean to call you Hope. I mean Beth. <laughs> Many apologies. <laughs> Many apologies there. It's been a long day already. Yeah, it has. <laughs> do you, do you um, still struggle at times now? Um, and what do you find that helps you, you know, get back to a place of, of positivity? Yeah, I most definitely still do have my days where I'm not quite 100%. Um, I think in recovery as well, it's, it's been a real roller coaster. And I kind of, I expected recovery to be, um, like wonderful, beautiful things, you know, like rainbows and unicorns and all that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> and it didn't quite work out that way. Um, it's just been kind of learning to go up and down and uh, get used to that kind of <laughs> that kind of route. Um, but yeah, I, I still find it a little bit difficult sometimes when I am struggling um, to really be open about it. I think sometimes I get stuck in that mindset that I am in recovery so I can't have bad days because I'm not supposed to be where I was um, mm-hmm. so so yeah I think the things that bring me back to being you know a positive outlook and some stuff like that social media is a really incredible tool um, and on my Instagram particularly I follow a ton of accounts with positive quotes um, law of attraction stuff like that just really things that just raise up your spirits a little bit and I if I'm having a bad day I just go through all of that scroll through that and, and usually that helps to bring me back to some kind of center really it's it's hard though because once <clears throat> you come out with um, something positive or like for your example with your YouTube videos maybe you, you come out and it's a positive video and you're doing well and then maybe the next day you're not doing so well it's hard when, when people start saying, well, you know, you were fine yesterday. It's, yes. it's almost like you, it's almost like you have a, a responsibility to the people that watch or listen or, or read, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you have a responsibility to them to keep, to maintain this sort of even keel that you can't, you know, there's no control over it with those of us that have these, you know, chemical imbalances. Yeah, absolutely. It's a real struggle at times. And I think, Especially when you've got, you know, an account that you use to communicate with people through or you're sending out a specific kind of message. Um, like a lot of mental health advocates send out the message about recovery and that it is possible and that, you know, things can get better and it's all about climbing that recovery mountain. Um, so a bad day, it can almost make you feel like you're putting your bad energy or, or bad feelings onto other people. and I'm some, I really, really struggle with that sometimes. Um, but mm-hmm. I think when feeling that, if you can reach out, if you can maybe tweet or do a video or, you know, do a podcast or whatever you do um, and share what you're thinking, usually the amount of love and support that you get back from people is just what you need at that point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's up and down, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah, <clears throat> You know, there's there's a great support system out there, like like I said before on Twitter, and 
Yeah, we've seen it. You know, Bex had a bad day. She'll post about it. And, like, within seconds, she's getting responses back from people that have become, you know, incredible friends mm-hmm. through, through Twitter. We've met some amazing people, yourself not excluded. Yeah. That, that didn't make sense. It didn't? No. <laughs> in, including her. Yeah. Yeah. Not excluded. <laughs> I heard it. Does it make sense? <laughs> okay, as long as you heard it the right way, Beth, that's all I care about. That doesn't make sense. What's wrong with it? <laughs> I, think, I think I heard it wrong. <laughs> oh, I, I am. I am sorry. Okay, Beth, you are included in that. <laughs> Thank you. I'm really grateful, honestly. You too. <laughs> uh, my head hurts. <laughs> And and just to give myself a little pat on the back, Beth is also a keep talking MH supporter. Yes. Yeah. So that is is wonderful. Yes. Yeah. I love the hashtag. My, my, absolutely. I think it's one of those my, ones that I've got even saved in my phone, uh, especially for a bad day. It's such a good way to connect with people kind of yeah. instantly about how you're feeling. It's just it's fantastic. I love what you guys do. Okay. Oh, thank you. So we you, love what you do. Yeah, absolutely. We sure do. <laughs> um, do you have any advice also for anyone that has been recently diagnosed, whether it, it be with the anorexia or anxiety or, or anything? Do you do you have any advice that you hand out? Mm, oh, yeah. I mean, it's quite a bumpy ride to get that diagnosis usually. And I think when you've got the diagnosis, you almost think that, okay, now I know what this is. I should be able to fix it. And I mean, I definitely did this. I got so focused on fixing the problem um, that I started to become really nasty to myself. I didn't give myself a break, like at all. It was was really bad. And if you're not careful, you can create that negative self-talk and that self-hate. And, you know, you can become quite a nasty person to yourself. Um, So I would say if you've just been diagnosed, if you've just kind of entered this crazy world of recovery or, you know, finding out what is the problem, just be gentle with yourself. Just be honest with as many people as you can. And just remember how hard you fought because, you know, we're all warriors in this in this big group of people that have suffered. So um, just, you know, be your biggest supporter. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge thing. You know, um, sometimes, sometimes you have to remind yourself of that. You know, I've actually had to do that with Beck before. She'll she'll be having a bad day and she'll be telling me stuff and beating herself up. And I'm like, hey, you know, treat yourself with kid gloves. You know, you're you're dealing with an illness that you can't control. Mm-hmm. You know that that you know is pervasive. That you know is insidious. And you know, yeah, you're gonna have bad days as long you know along with the good days. And you know when you're having bad days, it's okay to be kind to yourself and, you know, just treat yourself with kid gloves. You know, you, you can't get up and, and clean up or whatever. That's fine. You know, if all you can do today is breathe, that's fine. You know, if anybody else has a problem with it, that's not your hang up. That's theirs, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's, and that's another important thing too to realize is that, you know, everybody's going to have an opinion and it doesn't, you know, opinions are like a-holes. Everybody's got one. <laughs> you know? I love that. 
So, you know, uh, you just, you, you do what you do and you live your life. And if people don't like it, that's their problem, not yours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think I found it quite difficult, especially after I've been diagnosed. You're so right. Everybody has an opinion on what you should do. Like, should you go to therapy? Should you be on medication? And, and it almost your illness can sometimes become like a talking point for a lot of people, especially family in my case. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, you have to do what is right for you. hundred percent. I really agree with you. Exactly. You know, that's, that's the most important thing. You know, we, we only get one go around in this life. You know, that's one thing I'm, I'm learning as I start my 45th year on this planet. Um, <laughs> and you have to do what's right for you. And, it, you know, you're going to disappoint people and you're, you're not going to be everything to everybody, you know. But at the end of the day, you have to be happy with who you are as a person. And yeah. if you're not, then you have to figure out what those measures are that you have to take to get to uh, uh, balance in your life, you know, and and sometimes you have to shove out those outside voices that are telling you you're not good enough or what have you. And sometimes Mm -hmm. you have to shove out the voices that are inside you telling you you're not good enough and and whatnot. And that's Mm -hmm. what a lot of us wrestle with, you know, But how do you you think that we're doing as as a community to put an end to stigma? Oh, I think it's just an incredible place to be. Genuinely, I have never come across such a diverse group of people. Um, It's really incredible. Everybody's doing something, and it's all kind of relevant to their talent or what they're passionate about. Um, It's really, really incredible. I, I never had read a blog before. Uh, before I joined the community, um, I didn't, you know, I know many people who have podcasts and, you know, who are YouTubers as well. It's it's just an incredible thing to keep. We've got to keep this, you know, momentum going because we really are making a difference. We are, you know, that's the thing is, you look at ten years or even five years ago, how, you know, mental illness was discussed and. Or more importantly, not discussed, not discussed, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. now it's becoming part of the conversation and it doesn't matter if it's anxiety or anorexia or bipolar disorder or, you know, straight depression or DID or I mean, there's, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we can talk about it now and not talk about it in hushed tones, like, oh, my God but actually have a full-on dialogue about it and have it be something positive, that's huge. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so great. Yeah, it's massive. I even noticed a difference since, you know, being in school, which wasn't even that long ago. It was about 10 years ago that I was really struggling with it. And, I mean, teachers used to get really frustrated at me. And, you know, there was a group of kids that seemed to be really struggling kind of with their mental health. And, you know, we were kind of actively called the special kids, you know? So, mm-hmm. like, things have really changed, you know. We're not being branded that same way, which is absolutely brilliant because, you know, we are all equal. Whether we have mental illness or not, that's a really important thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say there isn't still ignorance out there. By all means, there is. Oh, I, yeah. I run into it on a daily basis, mm-hmm. you know. But it's 
you know, being able to address it now as a, as opposed to just turning away and, and ignoring it, you know, that's the, the important thing, you know, and, you know, that and, and education comes down to it too, you know, and I think more strides need to be made with that, but um, you're starting to, you're starting to see it now. You know, yeah, I think definitely. we're heading, uh, I think we're heading in the right direction. Yeah, at first I was kind of, I was kind of um, put off by all these actors and, and such that were coming out and saying that they've dealt with, with mental illness because, I don't know, it, it felt like it was... Disingenuous. Yeah, getting to be sort of a bandwagon that everybody kind of jumped on and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it just, I don't know, I just, I had a weird feeling about it from the start, but I'm starting to see now how people like The Rock and even, you know, Lady Gaga, her her speech that she made at the last award show is gets circulated all the time. Um, and, uh, you know, it, I'm starting to see where there's a, there's a positive aspect to it and that, you know, people think, well, hey, if, you know, this guy who, you know, has millions of followers and makes all this money and everything – can can come out and be honest about what he's been through then you know maybe I can too so I see it as a more of a positive thing now than I used to but um I don't know it's still there's still that little bit of a sense of of oh there's you know who's next kind yeah. of like who's going to be doing it this week sort of thing yeah, I definitely understand why you feel that way. I think sometimes people worry that it might romanticize the whole idea of right, yeah. and mental health and stuff like that. But yeah, I see it in both ways, you know. And again, I guess it's our job to remember that celebrities are people as well. You know, we're all just, whether you've been in a movie or not, you're still on the same level as another person, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. absolutely. So, go ahead. You want me to ask? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So, <laughs> Beth, where where can that's, that's what we do? Where can people connect with you online? Oh yeah, well, um, Twitter is usually my best place uh, to to get me. I usually I'm spending a little bit more time away from it now, um, but okay. I'm on there every couple of days. You know, I like to kind of spice it up a little bit. So yeah, I'm on there. Um, my handle is Real Miss anxiety on there and you know dm me or tweet me or whatever or don't you know if you don't want to um <laughs> yeah yeah you can find me on there um that's probably the best okay cool and what um i i don't know if i missed this during the the when i was away uh taking care of the, of the Haley booze um <laughs> what's the uh what, what's the name of uh your youtube page it's Miss Anxiety, just the same as my Twitter page and my Instagram page. Yeah, I like to like to keep the theme going. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. It's easier to remember that way, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a I've got a hundred different accounts, so <laughs> <laughs> So what what is next for you, Beth? Yeah, good question. Um, it's Mental Health <laughs> Awareness Week next week, which is gonna be quite intense, it sounds like. Um, I've got quite a few different events that I'm going to. 
um, it's one of those weeks where I get opportunities and someone messages me and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'd love to do that about three months before. And then they, they all yeah. end up one day after the other. And I'm like, how am I going to do this? This is slightly tense. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah. a lot of wonderful opportunities coming up next week um, to raise some awareness, which is great. Um, and then I'll just be uploading to my YouTube when I can. I've kind of taken a bit of a step back um, it's kind of since starting recovery. Um, I used to upload every single Friday, without doubt. And now it's more kind of, you know, every two weeks, every three weeks, you know, when I can, and just taking the pressure off a little bit there. So that, that's really where I'm at, to be honest, at the moment. Cool. Yeah, you have, you have to do that. You have to you have to get the self-care in there a little bit and realize, hey, maybe I need to back off on what I'm doing a little, and uh, just for my own sanity. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I get that completely. Yeah. Yeah, that is so I true. Will. Self-care is one of those things that I'm still learning about, I think. So yeah. I definitely yeah, need to kind of insert some of that. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. It's <clears throat> especially when you were sort of raised a certain way, um, you know, my mom, God bless her, messed her like crazy, but she would often complain that I was being lazy or something when I was really just trying to, to process what I was going through. Mm-hmm. So um, she didn't have a full understanding of it either. And I, I really wasn't very communicative mm-hmm. in, when I was younger to, to explain what was going on. So, um, so yeah, now when, when she's having a tough day and it's, Hey, you need some self care. It's being able to tell her it's okay that you're lying in bed, mm-hmm. just breathing. Yeah. You know, it's really hard for me. There's a huge like guilt complex, but that's a whole nother show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can definitely relate to that. A hundred percent. I have a similar issue. You know, I always worry about being lazy. I worry about, you know, the jobs that are piling up, like the dishes need doing and they've been there since the middle of the week and, you know, all this stuff that just kind of piles up. And, you know, some days you just, you just need to just take that break for yourself, for your sanity much of anything exactly well we are getting down to the wire here we're going to have to sign off uh pretty quickly but beth we just we really appreciate you being on the show it's been really good to talk to you and have a great conversation with you yes absolutely uh Thank we're, you we're so, so much happy for having me. it was our pleasure let me tell you and if anything, like we tell all of our guests, if anything comes up that, that you know, a project or, you know, a, a specific speech that you do or just a foundation that you get involved with, anything, just um, send me a tweet and we'll see about getting you back on the show. That would be amazing. Thank you so much. And maybe one day I'll come to America and we can do a vlog. <laughs> that would, that be, would great. be That would be awesome. <laughs> we would welcome that for sure. Yeah, I would love that. Yeah. All right, so so stay on the line just for a moment, please. And we're going to sign out with uh, Brandon Stansel with Hometown.
Welcome to Astro Kiki Radio. We are the e-news of astrology. Today, we'll be diving into the cosmic guidance from the stars, celebrities, and entertainment lifestyle. Thanks for joining us, and let's see what the universe has in store. Hello, my radiant cosmic stars. I hope that you are having a wonderful week. We are excited to jump into a bunch of fiery and cosmic things ahead. My name is Kyle Thomas. I am a pop culture astrologer. We are going to talk about Hollywood today as well as interview our lovely and handsome celebrity guest, Jameson. Hey everyone, Sam Davidson here, a red carpet reporter, entertainment news journalist. I am a junkie on all things entertainment and just all the gossip that's going on. And there's a lot of really juicy stuff to talk about this week. We have our very special guest who I would like to introduce, Jameson Stern. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. 
So um, Kyle actually met Jameson at the Daytime Emmys uh, this weekend, and Jameson currently stars as Paul in After Forever, which is an Emmy Award now winning digital series for Best Digital Drama Series, and it's on Amazon Video, and you can see him as the evil but not so smart Mr. Tweed in the feature film Annabelle Hooper and The Ghosts of Nantucket, which is on Netflix. Some of his other TV credits include My Bakery in Brooklyn, which is on demand, and Day Zero with Elijah Wood, Law and & Order, and The Entrepreneurs, Broadway slash National Tours by Jeeves, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. There's just so much. It is extremely impressive, and we are really honored to have you here. Oh, thank you. So tell us a little bit about how you and Kyle just uh, randomly connected <laughs> this weekend. Well, uh, last night was the daytime Emmys. Uh, we had... Uh, the, we were at the Creative Emmys too. We won four Emmys there, and then we they presented us with Best Series last night. And we were towards the end. We it was just we hadn't I hadn't eaten since about 10:30 in the morning, and so we won our award at about 7:30. And the excitement of that and being on stage in front of those hundreds of people and waving to Sonny Hostin, who I'm just freakishly a fan of. Uh, we we finished all that, showed up at the party, and the part that Kyle doesn't know is I just got sick to my stomach. Like I was exhausted, sweaty, and nauseous. So I walked outside, I sat down on this bench, and I literally sort of had my legs, my head between my knees, but I was trying to be cool and pretend like I was on my phone, and then all of a sudden I'm talking with your friend Elaine, Elaine and then you, and I'm like pretending like, I'm great, I'm good, we just won some Emmys. And inside I was like, just don't throw up. The guy's really cute, don't throw up. <laughs> and uh, and then he invited me to be here. Yeah, so. well I love it because, you know, the thing that's been really interesting about my career and it, I guess evolution in Hollywood and it's you know I think it's really important to value your value your network and your your connections and really put you know your friendships and professional connections as a priority and really respect them and you know especially when you're working really hard with people to make things happen you know I think that's just something that we should all you know hopefully invest a lot of our time and, and affection and energy into especially being in Los Angeles and so a good friend of mine, you know, hits me up and is like, hey, you want to go to the daytime Emmys? And I'm just like, uh, yeah, of course, why not, you know? And then I spot you sitting down, and I was like, oh, he's gay, and he's cute, and he seems, like, really, like, friendly. Because I had a big sign on my back that said, gay. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was the monochromatic tuxedo that did it. Well, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Um, and then Elaine was talking about how she really, you know, needs to, you know, get some sexual interaction, and she, of course, she was, was using other words. And then she started saying about how she wanted to get naked, and then suddenly you just started laughing, oh, and that's right. when I was like, "Oh, okay, he's like not this like Hollywood douchebag, you know? Like he's, <laughs> like, he's so sweet." So well, and she's my neighbor in New York. Yeah, yeah. So then we just got to talking, and you know, I had you know been sitting in the seats earlier, and and really you know the, what you guys have been achieving, you know, especially with all these these Emmys, that's so exciting, and 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 I thought that it was great to just kind of you know bring you in today and connect. So yeah. Sorry, long story, long story short, he's cute and he's here. I love it. Welcome to Hollywood, everybody. Yeah, I got that one number, guys. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So, so did I. Oh, good. I'm very glad. Very, I did not. Um, <laughs> however, You I can did, have my number, too. Oh, thank you. I did meet The Bachelor yesterday, though, so it was a good day for me. Oh, my God. No, tell us about it, though. Tell us. So I've been a fan of The Bachelor since I was way too early to be a fan of The Bachelor. Um, and yeah, I got the opportunity to interview this last Bachelor at this like puppy fest, this Amazon, um, I 
don't know, puppy adoption thing. The virgin bachelor? Yes. Well, no. I don't think he's a virgin anymore. God, I hope not. I hope not, too. And he was hot. He was, like... I, the only way I can explain him was like he was like a tree, but a really hot tree <laughs> that like he you just wanted to climb. So it was an exciting day yesterday God, for like me that is too. So fun. Oh my god. Oh yeah. So I'm still on a bit of a high from it, uh, but hopefully this week will be just as good. Let's get into our astrological forecast. Absolutely. So you know, as we've all been talking about, we are in Taurus season. So you know, manifesting your de- desires is really important. So you you, you do that. Through putting in the work and, and really making those seeds tangible through actions, you know, working on your resume, working on and on trying to bring value to your life. And it also works on your relationships too. So investing your time into relationships that are of a long-term value to you, whether that be romantically or platonically or in family, you know, no matter what. And, and so really looking at building that security for the long term and you know, that is going to be something that will continue for the next couple weeks, especially as we have Mercury and Venus going into here. So on the 15th, which is, you know, towards the end of this coming week, we have two important things that I wanted to highlight. So Mars, the planet of passion and drive and, you know, uh, sexuality, it, it goes into Cancer. Do you guys know much about how Mars energy affects you? No, I no. don't. You guys have told me a little bit about it, but it just takes some time to think in. Well, think about it. Like, you know, even just like uh, through myth, you know, tell me what you know of Mars, the god of war. Mars, the god of... Honestly, every time I think of Mars, I just think of aliens. Even though there's not aliens. <laughs> and that is how um, stupid at astrology I am. I'm like, Mars, aliens. But there's not I don't know. Either. I just read Song of Achilles, but Mars wasn't in it, so I don't know anything. <laughs> Okay, well, you know, so, so Mars, you know, we look at it as that it's the, the active and assertive force. You know, when we are looking at someone's chart, we can see what they're really, really kind of going to be passionate in and how they take charge and are bold in their lives. So with it going into Cancer, Cancer is going to blend with that Mars energy. So what, what are we collectively going to be very strong with it? Well, we're going to be focusing on, we're going to be definitely feeling a very emotional energy that's going to be uh, affecting us and we're going to be more direct with our emotions because think about it Mars is direct it's assertive assertive, it's active it's going to be in this place of cancer which is emotional and also the home and family so that will be highlighted to everyone does that kind of make sense yeah so this next week is very dedicated kind of to home and family and like being assertive with different things Yes, so it actually starts on the 15th, but Mars takes a month and a half roughly to be in each sign. So it's going to last until July 1st. So collectively, all of that energy is going to be highlighted for everyone there. So we're going to be, you know, very, you know, uh, direct with our emotions. However, we may be prone to mood swings because, you know, if cancers are very, very moody typically, but, you know, it, that doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing. They're just very in touch with the tides of their seas, of their motions, kind of things like that. Uh, also, you know, think about cancer. What is what is cancer symbolized by? The little, what is it, the little uh, crab? It's a crab, yes. yes. So a crab has a protective shell. So that means with Mars being in cancer, we're actually going to be more defensive when we are going into any sort of conflict with anyone. So it's going to, you know, we're naturally going to be, you know, feeling, you know, if someone is, you know, maybe being a little confrontational to us, well, we're going to be very, like, sharp back and be like, well, what do you mean by that? 
And, and that's for any zodiac sign that you yes, are? Yes. And, okay. You know, it, because collectively we are actually, you know, being uh, affected by these important transits. However, you know, specifically with Mars being in Cancer, for, you know, it's going to be, it will affect each sign in a different mm-hmm. way um, on top of this. Does that make sense? Because it's kind mm-hmm. of like, you know, like we, we have patterns, but we also have layers, you know, collectively and consciously on, you know, on Earth but then also individually for the signs. And then when we look at a person's natal chart, that's like the more, most, you know, deep, you know, precise way of looking You're at it. You're basically saying, it, you know, don't keep all your emotions in right now. Use well, them to your advantage. Well, uh, yeah, we haven't, we're still not there. It's going to be on the 15th. Right. You know, so I think, you know, really, you know, when you're feeling more aggressive with your emotions, when you're feeling more defensive with your emotions, looking at it and seeing how you can process it and, you know, communicating you know, rather than being impulsively communicating in a way that's mm. going to be probably more sensitive and uh, not going to, you know, like, for instance, if you're feeling hurt, obviously you want to communicate that to someone. But, you know, don't go into a rage, you know, if, if you're not, if you're not being, you know, fully validated because you haven't communicated yet. Does right. That make sense? Yeah, totally. Okay. So the other principle that I want to talk about is Venus is the opposite of Mars. So, like, what do you imagine Venus to be? A beautiful, beautiful. goddess. Yeah. Like you. Like me. Yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> so Venus is, you know, the, the, the receptive and the, the passive principle when it comes to the opposite of Mars. So, so Venus is magnetic. Venus brings things to you. And wherever it, it moves into the chart, it is actually going to allow this certain energy to be continuously uh, affecting your life. So it's going to, on the 15th, also move into Taurus. So, you know, our, our sensual energy, our, the way that we're seeking security and value are going to be feeling much more focused on Taurus energy, which is pleasure, you know, money, sex, romance. Collectively, that's how it's going to be feeling for everyone. So we're going to want to be feeling, you know, we're going to want that extra bottle of wine. We're going to want that, I mean, hey, uh, we're going to want, you know, to like splurge So on, it's just like a every day. Right. Well, maybe for you. Okay. Yeah, well. Um, but it's going to allow us to feel, you know, more, you know, grounded in our relationships. But, but you know, seeking, again, you know, to bring the kinds of sensual pleasure that we want to our lives, whatever that fits us the most to be. I think I like Taurus season. Me too. That does sound good. Yes, yeah. it sounds like that. I mean, and of course, it's your season, Kyle. Mm-hmm. Your birthday. You're a Taurus. And when is your birthday? May 18th. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. Very, very soon. And we cannot wait. Anything else we need to look out for? You know, I just, I really think, you know, everybody just, you know, really focus on, the, you know, especially now and in, in, into the next couple of weeks, really focus on your pleasure and your relationships. And if there's things that are not making you feel valued, you know, question if they're worth your investment of your time and your energy, of your sex, of your money, of your passion, uh, and if they aren't attract something that will be mm. better. Okay. Hmm. I understand that. I do. Well, we have some amazing stories for you guys this week. Some of them aren't so happy, but um, that's okay because that's Hollywood. But the first story is one that I love. So Sophie Turner and um, <coughs> Joe Jonas are officially married. They got eloped this week in Las Vegas on Wednesday after the Billboard Music Awards, which I had the pleasure of being there for. And let me just oh, tell wow. you, the Jonas Brothers performed, I almost cried. 
It was one of the best things I've ever seen in my oh, whole life. I want to know. Yeah. So it, you get like honestly, one of the things that is so cool about being your friend, and hopefully for you know everyone that is an, an audience member to listen, is because you have such an incredible experience being in Hollywood, and you're so close to all of that. So I like I just want to know more about it. Yeah. They don't still perform together, right? So this was a big no. Deal. They they got back together um, about a month or two ago, and they've released two singles that are really really good. Um, and they made these killer music videos for them, and they each have their women. Now, the oldest one, Kevin, he's been married for quite some time, and he has a few kids with her, um, and Sophie Turner and Joe Jonas, they were supposed to get married this summer in Paris, but, and I think they still will have a ceremony of sorts, or a reception, you know, everyone wants a good party, because she has... One of her um, Game of Thrones co-stars that's planning on being her maid of honor, uh, Maisie Williams, right? Yeah, it's so funny because, so one of my good friends is very, very close to Maisie and Lena, and, like, I love them. I'm, like, a huge fan of them. Everything Game of Thrones and them, but it's, like, crazy because, like, my friend will be, like, literally texting and talking to them, and I'm like, what is going on? Amazing. It's so weird. Yeah, it's it's really cool. And honestly, Sophie Turner is the kind of girl you want to be friends with. It She just seems like so much fun, and this really seems like in their wheelhouse. I don't know how impromptu this was, if they were always planning on getting married after the Billboard Music Awards, or if she just fell in love with him all over again while um, watching them perform their new single, Sucker For You, as there was like pyrotechnics everywhere. I would want to marry him like after that too. And it was so cute as, well, like Nick Jonas and Joe Jonas, they each did one of the songs that they did on their solo careers after they broke up. And then they started singing each other's songs that they did on their solo careers. It was so cool. And he's like walking down, um, like he had one of those stages that was in the middle of the audience. So he's really interacting with them, walks down the stage to get onto the main stage. And um, Priyanka Chopra is there and Sophie Turner and um, Danielle Jonas and Priyanka and Nick literally just like do a little kiss as he's singing and playing the guitar. Um, And it was so cute. And they had him on the screens and it just was, really magical but no one had any idea that after that they were planning to go get married at the very very famous white wedding chapel um and it was just elvis initiated the wedding um <laughs> you know a fake elvis and they exchanged you don't know off. that it was fake you're right you're right we yeah. don't know he still could be alive and he very well made i mean it's just gonna come out for anything i agree yeah. i agree and so they had weird. a bunch of the i mean it was weird but it was like really epic because van and shay the country duo who has won a ton of awards i'm obsessed with them and he sang they sang their song speechless which is a big wedding song a lot of people get married to this song now or have it as their first dance or something so he sang that as she walked down the aisle, and it was really beautiful. They exchanged ring pops instead of wedding rings, and Diplo was there, like, Instagramming the whole thing. It was just super freaking random. And the relationship, people, it is kind of mean a Jonas brother and a Game of Thrones girl. Like, in, how does that how does that work? But they seem so perfect for each other also. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, so, it's interesting because... You know, the one thing that I think is really cool about astrology is like when you when you talk about it and you explain your relationship with someone or you see, you know, these kinds of relationships, you're already intuitively looking at a lot of the things that are actually written in the stars. So, and one thing, you know, I don't I don't know if we've branded you yet as this, but for everyone in the world that, you know, is out there 
Sam Davidson is a celebrity celebrity intuitive and a little bit, a little bit, yeah. Well, can you tell us what that is though? Like, well, I guess I created it, um, <laughs> probably because I've read tabloids and magazines like my whole life, and this is my job now. But I just have this feeling always if you know someone's going to break up, if something's not going to work out, like I will. And it's easy to kind of tell by the patterns that people in Hollywood have, but I also just kind of always have a feeling like if that relationship is real, if it's not real. And there's been so many times where I'm like, they are going to break up sooner. Like, she's going down a very bad path. I have the feeling she's going into rehab or whatever. And then it happens. Um, and again, that's probably just because I'm an expert on the subject. But yeah. What's it's, the most recent one that you knew? There's so many you've done. I mean, it's funny because it's like we even talk about like the Wendy Williams one, you were talking about it weeks before, and I was like, okay, all right, like right, let's look at it at the stars, because that was one of the things that she picked. And I mean, it blew my mind. I mean, like you literally were so spot on, and, and then we looked at the stars, and it was validated. Yeah, that when it was really before it was official that he had gotten that other woman pregnant, um, and I said, you know, some people say she's going to have a baby with this other woman, and like literally a couple weeks later, there's the baby. And the whole shit storm happened. I didn't even happened. know that. And I watch her every day. Yeah. She really was um, going through it. And we went so in-depth with it. And it was amazing. Super interesting. But yeah, a lot of things like that. It's fun. Super cool. So, and we're going to, you know, tap into Sam's powers and, you know, in the future. And, <laughs> and watch the development and evolution of that. Uh, but yeah, let's jump back to Sophie and Joe. So, Sophie is a Pisces sun and an Aries rising. Joe is a Leo sun and a Libra rising. So the thing about, you know, looking at their charts is that they're super, super, super compatible because they are aligned in the house of partnership. So for people that don't understand what that means is the house of partnership is the opposite sign across from you. So for Aries, it's Libra, which is exactly what they have. Uh, Sophie, as an Aries rising, is very divinely com compatible with Joe, who is a Libra rising. So it's a balance. It's like the yin and the yang. And so that is really, really, it's like magnetic. It pulls them together because they complete each other. You know, for Taurus, that's Scorpio. For Gemini, that's Sagittarius. For Cancer, that's Capricorn. For Leo, that's Aquarius. For Virgo, that's Pisces. And that's everybody. So, you know, that, you know, that always, that energy is always going to be very important to you, whether that's a business partnership or a best friendship or, you know, um, even the closest sibling, you know, or a love partner or, or even like, you know, a one-on-one -on -one relationship of like you and a manager or like you and an agent, like all of that, it, it's because you complete each other. You know, we, we always do look at compatibility in that as, as that is one, one important thing. So another thing is, so with Joe being a Leo son, he is very, very drawn romantically to Sophie's rising because they're both fire. And so there's this, you know, very, very uh, fun and exciting energy between them, you know, when they are, you know, being spontaneous. Also, one transit that I want to look at very important to them right now is that Jupiter is the planet of miracles and good fortune and luck. And, you know, right now it's in Sagittarius. So it is specifically blessing Joe with love, romance, and all of that kind of fertility. So he truly is falling in love with her uh, very, very deeply. Also, one thing that I want everyone to watch out for is that he is ex extremely potently fertile <laughs> until December. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Is this like, his first marriage? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, for him, that like... 
he like he is not shooting blanks. So, uh, <laughs> um, so yeah. So there's that, and then also the interesting. I knew thing, I felt something. <laughs> for the other interesting thing is looking at Jupiter is so for Sophie, it is at the height of her chart. So she is at, at you know one of her highest pinnacle of pieces of, or points of achievement achievement in her life, and at this specific time when it is in this area, it also can symbolize when someone is stepping into the into the light, into the light as marrying someone in a very big you know elaborate elaborate display, or they're marrying someone of important influence, and she's marrying someone that's more famous than she is, and so that's specifically how it works. And then, you know, also just looking at her, you know, fame and achievement, we have Game of Thrones coming out, Dark Phoenix is coming out, you know, her, this is a height of achievement. I've, she's never been, been this big, yeah. you know, and it's going to continue. So there's that. Uh, also looking at, you know, the May 1st is when that was the Billboard Awards, right? Uh, yes, it was on May 1st. That's okay. correct. So the sun was in Taurus. So for Joe, that was energizing his fame sphere, which makes complete sense. He was on stage. And Venus and Mercury and the Moon were in Aries. So specifically, it it highlighted Sophie, her energy. She was actually more dominant than him in that because she was like, I want to do this. You know, I'm, I'm feeling you know, fun and spicy and sexual and and very you know, important to him. And it was across the sky from him, meaning that he was focusing on, yes, let's get married now. Let's do it right now. Literally on May first. That's so cute. I'm just, I'm obsessed with them. I think she seems like such a spitfire, and mm-hmm. they seem very happy, and it's a very interesting kind of um, dynamic to how Nick and Priyanka got married and had a million, like, million-dollar weddings all over the world. They still will um, get married, I, I believe, or have the ceremony this summer in July in Paris, um, but it is, she's officially changed her name to Jonas, so really? Yeah, so she's not technically Sophie Turner anymore. I mean, I don't know as an actor if she's really, like, how's that going to, because that's a, that's a really big thing to do as someone who is a name in Hollywood, to actually change your last name, not hyphenated or, or something. I don't know. She but didn't she didn't keep Turner at all? That's, no, that's what the marriage wow. certificate said. So she, but she doesn't really ever seem to care what she's supposed to do. How old is she? Twenty. She's like 22, I guess. Oh, <gasps> So Gross. her first marriage was an elopement. Cool. Yeah, and you know I'm very very happy for them. Um, I just like watching them and mm-hmm. seeing what's going on with them. So that's cool. They're compatible. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys tell me, tell me about air signs or fire signs. You know that you know that may have this kind of thing. You know, have you seen that before or felt that before? Well, I'm an air sign, aren't I? Yeah, you're you're a rising Libra and a sunny Libra. Yes. So, (laughs) I mean, I definitely feel with myself one of my biggest issues is don't wrong me on the wrong day because I will, my father had a really, really bad temper and sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm being totally honest, like I have that too and I get very, you know, intense about things. Um, I'm extremely sensitive. You know, I, I take things personally. Sometimes I take things the wrong way. I'm making myself sound like a real bundle of joy right yeah, you now. You literally just bit. described me. So <laughs> you're good. Well, the thing you're that's interesting good. about this is, so you're an Aries. Mm-hmm. She's a Libra. You guys are opposites. Oh, yeah. Aries, I'm always really, um, like, driven to Aries, whether it's with a friend, romantically. I've had a lot of best friends that were Aries. I've dated a lot of Aries guys. 
So that makes a lot of sense. Wow, interesting. Well, and it's like because you have you know very similar attributes, but sometimes you approach them from the opposite side of the spectrum. So like, okay, so what she was saying, tell us about you. How does this manifest? No, yeah, temper. I mean, I have to I have to wait. My friends force me to wait before replying to texts uh. or just you know or just <laughs> let you know duck off a water's back. You know, but I can't like if I see a pimple, I have to pop it. You know. Yeah, um, not patient. No. Um, definitely have very little patience for things. And, I mean, Kyle, you know my issue sometimes with text messages. It's this is why I'm always like, shh, put it down, put it down. Yeah. I know. And then I'll just, like, have a look on my face. And you know, my friends or family around me, they're like, what'd you do? And then I say I too much. I hate that look. Oh, my know, God. Like, I just say too much. You know, I, it's something that requires just a yes or a no or a I'm sorry. It's going to be, like, three pages of text. You know, and now I've learned I write it all down in my text, and then I... Uh, just put it away. <laughs> yes. You know. Well, another, okay, so the next thing that I want to ask you guys about, because you're being very spot on with, you know, the energies that's at the core of these signs. So tell tell me about your relationships when it comes to uh, the intensity and, and what you expect, because I, I bet you both have very similar sides of how it was, because you literally have the same side of the same, or the, the opposite side of the same coin. So yeah. who wants to go first? You guys tell me. Um, I'll go first. So with relationships with other people, I like to give a lot and be very generous um, and literally take the shirt off my back for somebody that I care about. And I, you know, with Libras, we're supposed to really like partnership. However, I don't have a lot of like romantic relationships. And I think that's probably a deep-rooted thing from the way I was raised and all of that. But I, you know, even with friendships, I give a lot and I expect a lot in return. And then when I don't get that in return, I get very angry. So that is, that's how I am with, you know, in relations to other people. Yeah, as far as friendships go, I, I do the same thing. I give everything. And, you know, you sometimes you don't get it in return. And I'm, you know, I'm a little older. I've learned to, you know, people can give what they can give when they can give. And unless someone wrongs me, you know, it's one thing to, to uh, not be appreciative, which, you know, bothers me but you know you've got to let that go it's it's what I learned you know uh, you when you're at a certain age like in your 30s when all your friends start having babies all your girlfriends start having babies and they really can't be there for you yeah you know and you, there's nothing you can do about that you know that's bigger than you and if you are patient they come back to you but a lot of people a lot of women I know lose their friends when they start having kids and I didn't so I was very fortunate that way but in, you know, in love relationships, um, you know, it usually burns really bright at the beginning and then very quickly oh, yes. burns off. I um, am the queen of like the three-week love affair. Well, I also can fall in love in two minutes, you know. Yeah. I, you know, I've, you know, every day I'm like, oh, I just fell in love with that guy. I didn't even, I don't even know his name. Oh my God, is it me today? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> But but you know you guys are literally saying the exact same thing and so look at it you got you are you're Aries you're Libra the reason you're so connected is because you have you're the mirror image of each other see what I never ask people what their sign is ever like it's not it's not a mm-hmm. prescient thing in my, in my brain but now I figure I'm gonna have to do it all the time and then text you immediately yes if if you go out with Kyle um, that's like the first thing he asks and I'm like Kyle he asked me too I was like sure I don't know did. my sign is Emmy right now like <laughs> that's sexy right? hashtag Emmy winner but uh last week we had some crazy energy going on 
my wallet was stolen, my phone was stolen, I had a lot of friends that were actually, I, literally I heard several people had, things were stolen, things were broken into, and some of the energy that was happening, and you know, people just getting into fights, Mercury planet of communication was crashing with Pluto and Saturn, which was creating um, chaos and, and kind of confusion uh, within our minds, you know, making us very just like, you know, chaotic, and then causing clashes potentially with authority or um, people that are cruel or abusive. Um, or deceptive. So power plays were also happening. I mean, I felt so bad for you last week. That was brutal. And I'm really glad I actually didn't know that that was going to happen when I went to Vegas for the Billboard Music Awards because I was so nervous something was going to get messed up. And I was meditating a lot and trying to, you know, make everything go smoothly. And it didn't go too, like, unsmoothly. Um, But it seems like for (laughs) everyone else it really did. So sorry about that. No, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, there's a few ways of looking at astrology. You can look at it in like a predictive sense of like, oh, these certain things are going to happen. Well, it's also a manifestation of the self. So like, you know, if you know that you're going to have a really rough transit with Saturn or with authority or with, you know, deception, you can, if you're not, you know, really doing due, del- due, due diligence to focus and evolve on your, on your, your own personal growth, you're going to manifest that kind of thing in the physical world. It's going to happen. So you will get attacked or you will have this negative thing. But if you are, you know, really processing and, you know, evolving and being conscious of your patterns, you're not going to face it as difficultly or at all. You know, and so that's, there's a lot of schools of thought when it comes to astrology. And so that's why I kind of want to represent that, like, that, that different thing. Explain to me about manifesting. I mean, I know what manifesting is because, unfortunately, I do it constantly. But... How are you accidentally manifest, or how do you, how can you, you know what I'm saying? So, okay, so for instance, one of the the biggest uh, difficult challenges when it comes to astrology is the opposition. So when two planets or things are across the sky from each other, um, usually with certain planets. So like, uh, let's let's use Saturn as an example. So Saturn is it creates uh, responsibility. It's sometimes hardship, and and it makes things uh, difficult and colder. And so when it's exactly across the sky from you, it means that you're going to be challenged in partnerships. And so whether that's romantically or, you know, uh, in business or any of that kind of thing. So let's say, you know, you have been really putting in a lot of effort to make your relationships be very equal and very strong. Well, when this happens, it's going to make you actually find a deeper connection to each other so that you can make a stronger uh, commitment together that will last even longer. But if you haven't, it's going to destroy that relationship and take it away so you can find someone that's better. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so you may even be manifesting in a way of, oh my God, my partner's being more, you know, colder to me or, you know difficult to me and it maybe it's because you just haven't evolved enough to to pick the right person yeah and that's a form of manifestation you know we choose the relationships and patterns that we go into you know whether that be you know unconsciously sometimes but making them conscious is a big part of you know therapy and psychology and spirituality and astrology because you know it's as above so below we want to reflect you know, ourselves into the into the cosmos, into our relationships, and into the reality that we're creating. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, and also what you're saying is that, you know, because like you were talking about losing your wallet, and you know, that, mm-hmm. that, that things like that were happening to people last week. 
you know, to me, I hear that and I go, well, that takes some of the pressure and anxiety off of it. It's not really my fault. But what you're saying is things aren't just happening because that's what's going on in the cosmos that week. It's, it's your, your actions and your energies are manifesting it's those both. kinds of things. It's, it's both. both. It's all of that. Yes. So, you know, that's why, you know, looking at, you know, predictive astrology, we can be like, oh, Jupiter in your love zone. So you're more likely to fall in love. But if you're like sitting in, you know, your couch being like, oh, here's love. I want it to come to me. That's not going to come to you. You have to go out there. And that is it. what I'm doing wrong. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, cool. Next, we are going to be talking about something very exciting that happened this past Monday. Um, today, we, we are pre-taping. Um, <laughs> Meghan Markle and Prince Harry had their baby, their first baby. It was born on the morning of May 6th, and we don't know the baby's name, but this is very exciting for anybody that is obsessed with British throne and all boy that good girl. stuff. That's it's it. a it's a boy. Oh, he's gonna be so hot. I know, and it's you know the first biracial baby. You know they think that maybe like a really long time ago there was some kind of biracial child had um, within the kingdom. What am I? What am I saying? The kingdom. What do we? What do we call it? Um, what do the they call? Empire? Yeah, the monarchy. Oh, the monarchy. I suppose monarchy. it is. So, but like this is the first official, you know, biracial child. People are trying to guess what the name of the baby is going to be, and Meghan Markle is also another woman who does not do things by the books, so every guess that people are having is probably going to be something different, and I mean, again, this was a super random pairing uh, for Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. They met in 2016. They got engaged. They were very, very in love. She quit her career, her show, um, Suits. And yeah, now they are living happily, and it's very exciting. We're welcoming someone new to the royal family. So I know Kyle was going to tell us a little bit about like what this day represents, and you know what are in the stars for this little boy. Well, just you know, even before we jump on that, let's talk about the parents. Yeah. So you know, Megan, she is. She is a Leo son with a Cancer ascendant. So the ascendant is how she you know leads her life and and. It's the mask. It's the the first uh, way that we uh, connect with the world. And then we have Prince Harry, who is a Virgo son, and he is a rising Capricorn. So one thing that I was teaching or trying to teach you guys before was talking about the the house of partnership and the way that the signs are. What is the opposite of Cancer? Uh, whatever six signs away. I don't know. Capricorn. Capricorn. She's a Cancer rising. He's a Capricorn rising. So they are very compatible. Exactly. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. So now, now, whenever we're looking at in the future, I feel like that, you know, hopefully, and because the reason I'm really putting a, a big emphasis on this today is one of there's this adorable, adorable guy that I've done readings for, and he's just super sweet, and he listens to our shows, and Aww. yeah, and I just like he's just he's such a such a, a gem. Uh, he asked, he was like, can you explain some of the houses? Because like. He doesn't, he's like, I want to learn, you know, and he's like, I love all the pop culture stuff and I think it's hilarious and I, and I really, it's, it's a good teaching mechanism, but like, can you, can you tell me about like that? So, yeah. so that was just one thing I wanted to hit today. So looking at them, they are super compatible because of that. So they are going to complete each other uh, in that way. So with the baby, I, we, I did find his exact time of birth mm-hmm. as we are looking at his natal chart. So... I'm just calling him Royal. Okay. <laughs> Baby Royal. Royal. is, he is a Taurus Ascendant, 
and a Taurus sun. So what this is going to mean is that he is very purely Taurus energy, very, very distinctly. So, you know, he is going to be, you know, very uh, focused on uh, manifesting things in his life. He's going to be extremely loyal. He's going to be very grounded uh, because both, you know, with, with the Ascendant being the second, you know, I guess the, the, the other half of the persona with the sun, like he's just purely that, you know, he's going to be very hardworking. He's going to be very focused on, you know, uh, really building things, re relationships and uh, a legacy for a long term uh, and really taking it for a long, a long time. I've also, I don't know this for an exact fact, but I believe the, the British crown has so much Taurus energy. I believe, uh, I believe it's the Queen is a Taurus. Interesting. I, yeah, I, I, I just remember reading that a long time ago, so I'm, I'm sorry if someone is going to fact check me on that. But, you know, it, with him being a Taurus there, I just thought that was really, really interesting. Also, he is... The most important thing that I wanted to highlight looking at his charts is that his sun is in the exact same place as his rising sign in the sky. So this means that he is going to be very, very powerful and very, like, very, like, self-assured, very creative, you know, very confident, um, but, he, like, and he's going to be a very powerful leader when he grows up. Uh, so that will be really, really crucial. However, he's also going to have a lot of struggle with arrogance and egotism, and, you know, he's going to have it, like, find it difficult at times to be compassionate, uh, because he thinks that he is going to rule the world. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, literally, that energy, that's what it means. So... You know, they're and I mean, but she, but he's nowhere near the throne. I mean, like he'll never be. But he's still. <laughs> no, absolutely. You know, like, well, he might rule the world as as you know, around him at least. Well, yeah. and yeah. and also as something completely outside of the monarchy. Definitely. True. True. Uh, another area of his of his uh, chart is that his son is dancing really well with his points of achievement. So he's going to be very like have a very big impact globally. I mean, granted, that, and that's the thing that's weird about astrology is you can look at these certain things and be like, wow, you know, like we already know that because he's in the royal family. But like, there's that. Uh, so the sun it has a really wonderful connection with Neptune. So the sun focus, um, life force, Neptune, which is imagination and creativity. He is going to be very very creative. He's probably going to have a very imaginative kind of uh, either career or spiritual he also maybe uh he's going to, he is going to eventually develop an intense compassionate energy and be very charitable to the world however before he gets there he's going to be super indulgent very likely to be going into sort of like deceptive or you know like drugs or things like that there, there will be a period of that for him so you know that that energy is going to be something that that's going that he's going to have to evolve through in order for him to have uh, his understanding of the higher good and, and collectively. So very yeah. interesting. Well, it's fascinating. It is. You know, hopefully over the years as we follow this little boy grow into a man, we can see if we are right, which I'm sure Kyle will be because Kyle's always right. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> That's good the second name of this show. Kyle's always right. <laughs> so next we are going Try to dating me. That's hard. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, our celeb WTF this week. I wanted to pull out. One of my favorite love triangles in Hollywood history, which is Jen, Brad, Angelina. You know, this is something since I was a little girl. 
reading the tabloids. It was always on the cover of every magazine, and it honestly still is. There are still people out there that are like, Jen and Brad are going to get back together. Not going to happen. I really don't think so, but that is a question, you know, I will have for you guys. But just like a little rundown. So Jen and Brad made their debut as a couple in 1999. They got married in 2000. Then in 2004, that's when Brad and Angelina met on Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and 2005, he split from Jen, and um, then he was with Angelina for a very long time until they officially got married in 2014. Then Justin Thoreau came in the picture for Jen, 2015. Then 2016, Angelina filed for a divorce from, uh, Jen, from Brad. And basically, Brad and Jen were known to have been in a little bit of contact um, in 2017. And then in February of this year, um, Jen celebrated her 50th birthday and Brad came and apparently gave her a very extravagant gift. And now they're friends. So what was like, who was he most compatible with? And what a good question. You know, or was it was it even was he meant to be with either of them? And is Brad compatible with Justin? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, looking at, you know, looking, yeah. All right, so let's take one at a time. So Jen is an Aquarius sun and a Libra rising. So that energy is very, very focused on air. Both are air signs. Then we have uh, Brad, who is a Sagittarius sun and a Sagittarius rising. So he's very, very fire. Air and fire wildfire, you know, they ignite, you know, they can't, fire can't exist without air, you know, so they, they actually help each other grow. Uh, the one thing that is really interesting that I thought, though, is for uh, Jen, the way that uh, Sagittarius is related to Aquarius is actually through friendship. Okay. So there's a natural flow that would actually work very well there. So, you know, that's not, diff- it's, 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 a, it's a natural flow. It's not going to be a hard uh angle or difficulty for that. However, Angelina is a Gemini sun. So again, we're going to go back to what we were talking about before with partnership. The opposite of Gemini is Sagittarius. So there's a completion, a yin and the yang kind of magnetism that comes to them. So that's why, you know, Brad and Angelina, I feel like their energy was much more uh, partnership, you know, focused. Whereas Jen and Brad was more fun, and they had more, you know, spontaneity to it. One thing I th- also thought that was really interesting is, so Angelina's rising sign is Cancer, so that's, she's very maternal, uh, she's very family-focused, and the reason there's, a, like, an incongruence between them is because he, his rising sign is Sagittarius, and he's more spontaneous, adventurous, and, and more free-spirited, mm-hmm. and, that, and that doesn't work for her, because she can be very controlling about that. Cancer energy is very, very strong, and he's like, don't, don't, don't tie me down like that, you know. Even though he can, you can, be, you know, be passionate about. It. Like for instance, one of my good friends, he is a Sagittarius. He has a wonderful family whom he loves, but he still wants to fly and be free, you know. And so, you know, even if he comes back to the nest, he needs that ability to travel and to go do those things. Otherwise, he gets bored. Yeah. And in kind of chaotic. So, you know, there is that. So essentially, Jen is a nice friend for Brad. No, I mean it. it, it it means that they can can have a really good friendship now. Okay, good. You know, and I mean, it, they can also be lovers. You know, they did have a passionate connection. Like I said here, it was 
they they're they're both filled with fire and air. So there was passion, there was energy, there was you know creativity, there was fun. Yeah. And the, but the thing about it is that it was always really intense. You know. However, with Jen being an Aquarius sun, one of the problems that I can see here is that she probably got really hot and cold. And you know, at first it was a game for Brad, and he was like, "Ooh, you know, this is challenge. This is fun." And after a while, when you just keep getting challenged like that, he's just like, "Fuck this! Like I'm out," you know. And and so that game, you know, it allowed him to be distracted by Angelina's powerhouse energy. So with, you know, there were a lot of dates here. The dates that I, the date that I thought was the most interesting, I think, kind of like of the the change in pattern for them was when they were on the show, to, the, the the film together, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. So that was the middle of May uh, 2004. That's when you had that. Mm-hmm. So I put the middle of May into my research, and Venus was in Gemini. So for Brad, that was uh, in his uh, his he was very divinely, romantically attracted to his partnership energy, and with it being in Gemini for Angelina, it was making her more beautiful. And then hmm. Mars was in Cancer, which is her rising sign which means that she was very fiery, aggressive, sexual, and direct. So she, she did break that shit up. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Do you think that couples can break these rules? I mean, not that they're rules, but do you think that if, if, if a couple is completely incompatible in, in research that you do, do you think they can survive? Every single relationship takes work. And so, you know, you could be in the absolute most blessed and perfectly divine relationship but then you're not actually challenging each other to grow so it may actually just not really move you forward you know so like literally like let's say you you have you, you have your perfect match you know and and it's it, it, I don't know if that, I don't know I've never seen that I don't really think that there is a perfect match I really think that like every single relationship takes work and time and effort and emotion in you know really allowing you to get what you need, whether that be emotionally, psychologically, mm-hmm. sexually, spiritually, financially, you know. Um, I have one person that I thought was like my like divine soulmate match and you know, like we're not together. He wasn't. He was not. He was mm-hmm. not. Are you gagging it? Because you always hate when I do that. Yes, it's okay. It's all right. But that is a great segue into talking now about you, Jameson. <laughs> so we want to know, you know, career, love, like anything that really comes up. What What is your sign? I'm an oh, Aries. Oh, we said, yeah. of course. We're, he's an Aries. All right. All right, Kyle, do your thing. All right, so you're an Aries with a Virgo rising. So, okay, so for you, there's a new moon in the days that follow July 31st. So... So Sam, I actually want to see if you kind of remember some of this. So what do you know about the new moon and full moon energy that we've talked about? Quizzing me on the spot, thank, thank you. Well, no, I mean, I, I mean, I'm happy to like. Yeah, no, okay. So it. new moon is like when we kind of are starting something like a new beginning. That's exactly. the time to manifest and put all that energy out into the universe. And I don't know much about full moons. What I do know is that people can act a little crazy around them. Yeah. So you know, going off what she was saying, so. In a new moon is when you have to take tangible actions to make something happen. So in your love sector, July 31st, for the 10 days that follow, you need to, if you're dating someone already, you need to be, like, planning fun dates. You need to be, like, really, you know, enjoying sensuality, do things, you know, having hot sex. Like, really just push putting that out there. If you're single or looking, you know, you would uh, try to find... Yeah, dates through friends or you want to however is the most organic way for you to bring in a lover and I'm pretty sure it's not going to be on you know just an app 
So, you know, scheduling dates. So whether or not you actually find your, like, true next love then is, is, is communicating to the universe that you want this energy to come into your life. So another example that I use is, like, imagine that you're standing outside of a pond and you, the pond is love. And you're like, I want love. But you're standing there and you're looking at it. You're not doing anything. The, the, the water's never not going to move. So you jump in. You dive in. And then the universe ripples and, and knows that you want that. So then at a corresponding full moon, which is actually going to be in 2020, in the beginning of the year, <clears throat> that's when you're going to have a full moon, a spotlight in this love area. So it's really crucial in you know the beginning of August for you to be putting that energy out there. See, I hear all that, and all I think is... Well, okay, the end of August, beginning of July, I'm going to be in tech for a one-man play in Connecticut. Where am I going to find the time to do that? Which is what, sort of what you were talking about earlier, being a workaholic. Well, know. the funny thing is the same rule, area of love also rules art. So that's, what it, that's how it's focusing for you. Oh. Love and art in this, are in the same place mm-hmm. in the sky for uh, each sign. So, you know, you're going to be feeling more creative and more fertile and more sexual because... Sex and creativity, they're, sa- they're the same mm-hmm. energy. And love, you know, that kind of love is, is passionate and, and igniting at that time. So you're going to be feeling more on fire with all of the things that are going on. You know, so if you can allow yourself to open your heart too, they'll both ignite. Well, good, because I'd like some good refuse. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is with you being an Aries son, uh, your career is going to be exploding for the next like year and a half. So uh, your first big moment was around uh, an eclipse in uh, January 5th. The next one is going to be around July 16th, so you're going to have a big uh, momentous career moment then. Uh, the next one will be in the 10 days that follow Christmas of this year. And then Jupiter, the planet of good luck and good fortune, goes into this a pinnacle achievement point in the sky for you uh, next next year. And so all of next year, you're going to be just like rising and growing. And also with it, you being a Virgo rising, it's going to be directly created, uh, connected to things that you are creating and performing oh, and doing um, just because of that. So yeah, so next year is going to be really big for you in your career and creativity. Well, thanks. I love that. That's and is what it, I need. Because you've said similar things to me. Um, as a Libra, is that kind of, are we on similar timelines because he's an Aries, I'm a Libra? Exactly, yes. Okay, so I'm getting it. We're finally yeah. getting it. No, but this it. is amazing. Like, the fact that you were picking that up, that you're starting to see the circle, the pattern. And, and that's the thing about, you know, whether we're looking at it as, like, predictive or if we're looking at it as, like, intuitive. It, it's, you know, allowing us to see these rhythms so we can actually control our lives better. So I, I have a question because, uh, and it's sort of tangential, but uh, in terms of love, I, I seem to be uh, attracting, you know, through my own fault, I think, very unavailable people to my life, you know, uh, like as unavailable as it gets. So what is that something that I'm putting, at, you know, how do I fix that? Or don't I? So... Astrologically, you know, looking at this right here, so you're a Virgo rising. Mm-hmm. Saturn is in your house of love, so you're you're actually being uh, forced since 2000, 2017 and 2020. You are uh, having to put in the hard work to find people that are actually going to be really good for you. So your 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 love options are feeling very cold. So that you know you are going to have to find someone that is probably actually more mature than you, or and you know that's easy. 
<laughs> you know, but it, it could be someone that's even older than you. Um, that's not so easy. <laughs> literally, you know, with Saturn ruling, you know, age and, and time and, and maturity, you know, that's why, you know, with it being across in this specific area, it's making you having to, like, dig in your heels to do it, to your hooves or whatever you want to be, mm-hmm. you know, to make that happen. And, you know, if you don't, well, then you're just going to be alone. You know, in that energy, you know, like That's I mean, sad. Well, I know that was so harsh. Yeah. Right? No, but the thing is, like, if you guys could have seen his face for that. <laughs> no, but it's like I'm not saying it's like everybody should, you know, I'm not saying everybody should get everything they want in their life. You know, some people want love, some people don't. But if that's important for you, with Saturn being there, it means that you have to invest steady time and energy to do that. Well, and you make know, it a priority yeah. for you. It seems like what you're saying, what you've been saying about everything that you're talking about, is that nothing comes to anyone who sits back and waits for it. Exactly. Which, I, you know, I always say, like, if I were ever on the actor's studio and he asks you know, what your least favorite word is, I think it's the word waiting. Mm. And, you know, we do it. I've waited, I was waiting tables for a million years. Or, yeah. you know, I, I think uh, one of the reasons, you know, why I... I, I think, you know, as a born and raised New Yorker, sometimes I get a little complacent and I, because I'm so at home and in my comfort zone, I do sometimes just wait for something to happen. I'll wait for my agents to call or, you know, if that audition comes, it comes or if that, you know. And so what you're saying is, you know, that's sort of like the kiss of death, really. Mm-hmm. Well, we have to create our lives. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. Well, I am going to have to move on to our special segment, which I did this week and I love it is, of course, Bang, Mary Kill, and we are going to be talking about three Tauruses. And I will say, this is a hard one I've come up with this week, okay? I don't think there's an easy choice. First one is Dwayne Johnson, a.k.a. The Rock, mm-hmm. Enrique Iglesias, or Jamie, uh, Jamie Dorman, who was uh, uh. Christian Grey in Fifty Shades of Grey movies. So who would like to go first? Bang, Mary Kill. I think our guest should. Okay. Jamie Dornan. Sorry, I can't read. You know what? This isn't that as hard as it sounds, actually, because um, uh, I think I would. Uh, this is easy. I would. I would marry The Rock because, first of all, he's the fucking Rock. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's beautiful, and he's an incredible businessman, and he's actually pretty talented and smart, and mm-hmm. has created an empire based on himself. So yeah. the security there, and he also just seems sweet as could be, I think. I've heard very good things, yes. yeah. And then obviously you would bang Jamie Dornan, because, mm-hmm. I mean, you. why wouldn't you? Yeah. And then uh, who, who Enrique would... Enrique. Oh, Enrique. Yeah. I would just kill poor Enrique. Oh, no. Yeah. I know. I know. I never, he should have never got the mole removed. He's sort of unrecognizable now. I know. Moly, moly, moly. So my <laughs> that I think that is literally I quoted like Austin Powers two or three or something moly, there. Moly, moly, yeah, that's um. I think it was horny, horny, horny. Well, there's a that too. There was several of those. Um, okay, well mine is like basically identical. Um, I want to marry The Rock. He is supposed to be such a kind man. I have heard all these cool things that he's done for people. That's just really nice. I mean, and speaking of a tree that you want to climb. Yes. Yes. And yeah, I mean, I'd want to bang Jamie Dornan because you know, who wouldn't, you mm-hmm. can see what he's capable of in those movies. And Enrique is, you know, he's supposed to, he was very sexy. I've looked up some recent pictures of him and I don't think he's as hot anymore. So seems like a nice dude, very talented, but yeah, I'm going to have to, to kill him. 
I, so I, you know, I don't really know. I've never seen the movies with Jamie, unfortunately. What's wrong with you? I haven't seen them either. Jesus, I guess that's what you know. Gay men don't like them, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and then Dwayne. He's just really not my type. Um, and Enrique, you know, he's he's sweet. So I think I would, if I'm just looking physically at these people, I I would say Jamie. I'm gonna marry, because I could definitely wake up to that every morning. Yes. And be like, you know, and he's a Taurus, so like he's gonna be really good in bed, and he's gonna be, you know, sweet and you know romantic, and I you know want that. And Enrique, I would definitely bang. <laughs> yeah, I think I would bang him. You're looking at pictures of them right now, aren't you? Did you Google like their <laughs> names with the word naked? No. <laughs> I don't believe you. No. And Dwayne Johnson, <laughs> I feel like oh, I feel like he would crush me and I'd be laying there like, Get off, I can't breathe. Like I know, like I just now I mean, I'm sure he's really really wonderful, but I'm gonna let the other gay men and the straight women keep him. So okay. I'm gonna just let him be a ghost. Fair enough. Well, this has been so, so much fun. Thank you so much for joining us, Jameson. And thank thank you, you everybody here, for um, listening. And as we wrap up, we will tell you where we can, you know, uh, find each other on social media. So how about you? Uh, I am on Instagram and Twitter as at Jameson Stern, which is J-A-M-I-S-O-N. S-T-E-R-N. Awesome. And make sure to check out the show. Which oh, yes, week. please. So Last we night. are on uh, Amazon Video. We're called After Forever. And we're also on the Binge Network. And uh, we start shooting, they just announced we're shooting seasons two and three in the fall. And it's a beautiful, it's, it's really good. It's, a, it's basically, I mean, it's a gay series about men in their 40s and 50s, which is sort of not really ever done. And um, kind of about how uh, the reason it's called After Forever. It's basically what, how you m- move on after the person that you're supposed to be with forever is no longer with you. And uh, it, what 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 I was just saying to one of my co-stars last night, which I think is so amazing because we were getting so much social media buzz and so many friends reaching out, and all of these, all the girls that I went to high school with seem very moved by this series. A lot of women seem very moved by it, which we know it's not necessarily geared towards them but you know there's there's love there's marriage there's sickness there's i don't know what it is it, I, it, it's i feel like it's very cliche to say well i'm in this very universal show that happens to be about gay people but i don't know it, we, they just touched a nerve and uh people love it amazing and, you I, love know, yeah. I can't wait to watch it i haven't seen it yet so i'm definitely going to be checking that out soon but follow me on twitter and instagram because that's you know yes you it, know, see, it helps an actor out everything you're doing which is a lot of fun stuff uh you guys can follow me sam davidson at samdy43 on twitter and instagram and of course don't forget to follow astro kiki radio at astro kiki radio on instagram yes and shout out to our sponsor love by luna they have incredible crystal sets for taurus and elixirs so you should definitely check those out you can do so on instagram at love by luna and www.lovebyluna.co. My name is Kyle Thomas. You can follow me on Instagram at M-R-K-Y-L-E-T-H-O-M-A-S. Thanks for everything, and we look forward to talking to you soon. 
thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Astro Kiki Radio on the Left of Straight Radio Network. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Astro Kiki Radio, and you can also check us out on iTunes and Stitcher. Make sure to join us next week, and don't forget, we are the only e-news of astrology. Astrology.